I this also speaks like super Kevin Eastman to me when he's like, "You created," and he interrupts him, going, "Co-created." co-created. <laughs> yeah. Minions, this is Lord Crab. While the power mad fiend Shredder is battling those battles of turtles on Earth this morning, I suppose I will sit in the technodrome and listen to those two pestilential podcasters from Dimension Earth, Bebop and Rocksteady. I mean, Rob and Josh for another episode of Turtle Place. <laughs> I crack myself up. Cowabunga, dudes who do that, and welcome <laughs> to another episode of Turtle Flakes. I am your lowly co-host, Rob, and join with me, as always, is the uh, the Colonel to my Sanders, because we just talked about KFC's Cheeto Chicken, uh, Josh O'Rourke. <laughs> the churn, my butter. All right. Yeah. Oh gosh, oh, yeah, let's I'm, move on. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Oh man, well. So, anyways, today we have a really cool, <laughs> action-packed show because one, we have tons of feedback, which is what Josh and I were hoping for regarding Jenica. You know, the well, it's really I, validation. Yeah, it's, I I agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I no, not Jenica. It's us validating us. It's like, yeah, here we are. We're we're <laughs> doing the show. <laughs> Look at us. People wrote in. We're not. We're clearly not wasting time. Absolutely. Well, uh, (laughs) that's debatable. (laughs) Uh, So, uh, yeah, uh, we got a great feedback on uh, Jenica, which we're going to share at the top of the show. And also a really exciting project that I just found out about that I'd love to share with you all. And the guy who brought this to my attention actually sent me a PDF of this project. So I'll kind of get a little sneak peek and I can tell you what it's all about. So. We'll talk about that in a minute. It's uh, definitely TMNT related, definitely comic related. And also, if we have time, we definitely wanted to talk about Drawing Blood, the first volume, because next month, gosh, here in just, a, what, 10 days? Couple of days, I think. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, the volume two Kickstarter is going to kick off. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And I can't believe it's taken this long before we've actually talked about the plot of Drawing Blood. Now, it's not quite Turtles-related, yet it is, you know? It's basically Kevin Eastman, the comic book. Yes, yes, and I hope you know a lot more than I do because I have so many questions. There's so many things I want to ask Kevin Eastman one day, but then maybe I shouldn't. Maybe it should just be up to interpretation, some of the things. Well, I mean, also, it's just, I mean, there's some, I feel kind of like I don't want to ask him because I don't feel my business. Because like there's if if I'm right, I mean I kind of half jokingly said it's Kevin Eastman the comic book, but it really reads that way. It, it sure does, uh, especially if you know just like any anything about Kevin Eastman that has been released about him publicly. Um, like I just I feel like there's a lot of like really personal stuff here when you get away from the drug dealing Lithuanians and gunfights and stuff <laughs> like that. When like you get, when, I mean like because that's classic Kevin Eastman. Like, yeah. there's a little bit of talking, big action. A little bit of talking, big action, because that's what Kevin Eastman does. And, I mean, he's got a very – I mean, I couldn't do it, but he's got a great formula. It's a, it's a very uh, signature formula to him. 
And I really, I, I really feel like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of personal stuff in here. Like, especially, like, some characters are named after people in his life. Some people are drawn specifically to look a certain way from people that have inspired him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, you know, like, Shane Bookman is the main character. And there was actually on Kevin Eastman's YouTube channel, there was a bunch of videos of creators talking about Shane Bookman, the character. And, like, there was a great video about how Rob Paulson loved him. Rob Paulson thought he was a great guy. Then um, <laughs> another, uh, some sci-fi writer, I forget his name, I'm sorry, but he said, if you've seen Shane Bookman, I'm going to kick his ass because he owes me money. <laughs> um, like, there was one about Ben Bishop who was like, oh, yeah, I knew about him in an artist class I had, but nah. <laughs> well, speaking of Shane Bookman, you know, not to interrupt you or anything, uh, but on Twitter, Shane Bookman, actually, he's on there, and he liked one of our posts today. So what about that? Oh, cool. There yeah, you go. Yeah, so yeah. there you go. He's around. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I, I'm with you about that, man. Um, there's so much like uh, this might come back to burn me, but um, we're in talks with Kevin Ke- give getting Kevin Eastman on the show um, pretty soon to talk about you know volume two. And yeah. here's where I struggle. It's like, it's like a bi yearly tradition here. Yeah, so. which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. And here's what I struggle with. It's like I want us to take off the masks. I, I want us to. N- maybe not even have to talk about turtles so much is just ask the dude some questions you know like yeah even if we didn't record it i'd love to know the truth about some things like what the heck happened and maybe you know we're not entitled to know this but what the heck happened with him and pete you know i'd love to know the story behind that because you know something happened you can tell I would i would really love to know like see like things that i things that i really want to know about him are like things that i think would be pretty inconsequential where sure. it was like, probably and like things that he that. probably doesn't even remember too. It was like, how did how did Tundra Comics acquire the license to print the Crow? You know, did you meet James O'Barr? Was that Ooh. you know what was that like? What was running Heavy Metal magazine like? Yeah, why did you, yeah. Why did why did you stop? You know, um, is Michael Bay really like he is in drawing blood? <laughs> you know, <laughs> which I could totally see. Oh my gosh! Which I, I completely, yeah, I was like and. The first time you read that is like this dude's name is Morgan Harper, and we know who produced Ninja Turtles 2014. It's like, oh, okay. And then did that Comic Con conversation happen? In yes, front of that's the what party? I want to know. I'm like, do yeah. we? Are we taking away from the comic book if we ask him questions like this? I don't think so. I mean, like, just because you know what behind the curtain looks like, I mean, it's up to you whether or not you enjoy something. Ah, true. You good know, good I mean, point. Like, I mean, if Kevin Eastman came on Twitter or came on our show or something and said, you know what, I'm, I I hate the Ninja Turtles, I'm just, I'm here, I'm cutting a check. Every every time, every reason, you, you, always see, you always see him doing, like, a signing or a comic convention or he's on every special edition of every Blu-ray, it's because he gets money every time. Maybe that's true. And it wouldn't really take away from the Ninja Turtles. Oh, you know, no, just, no. It would just kind of make me think, well he does need to get paid. I mean, he, that is how creators of a certain level pay the bills by making appearances and by being on DVDs and doing all this stuff, you know, and, and, uh, the guy that I would really love, I've reached out to Peter Laird. Yeah. A couple of times. And I've just heard, I, I reached out to him on Facebook in March. Uh, and then again in May and I haven't heard anything. And, I don't think that I just I just don't think Peter uh, Laird talks to anybody, you yeah, know, I, yeah, I mean, like do interviews, I mean, you know, because 
I mean, because why, why, why should he? He's living in Maine. He's doing his thing. Yeah. Well, you know, I get that vibe too, and and this is all speculation. You know, we don't know any of this stuff for sure, but you know, just to play devil's advocate, I mean, say if Kevin and Pete were tired of the turtles, yeah, I mean, could you blame them? You know, they're probably no. faced with the same questions over and over and over and over again, and you know, there's probably that hurdle of like, okay, and drawing blood kind of touches on it. Okay, I created this. We created this big thing. You know, me and my brother, we created this big thing. Now there's that pressure, like, there's more to me than that. There's more I can do, but yeah. you can't get away from all the Turtles questions or the, all the radical, rearranged Ronin ragdoll questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is that, too. And, and I'm not saying Kevin feels that way. I, I, I highly doubt it, but I can I would, understand. I would argue for a while he did. Sure. I, I, I could totally see, if that were the case, I, I could totally see that. And I would think this book points it to that. There was probably a good like decade where he was just I, I don't want to do that. That's probably why he did like heavy metal magazine yeah. and uh, Tundra comics, and he just tried putting his, he tried doing something else, and everybody wanted turtles from him. And then eventually one day he just kind of steered into the skid. You know, enough time passed. He's like, yeah, you know what? I need to get back to Ninja Turtles. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, hey, there's a little uh, teaser for Drawing Blood, guys. We're going to be discussing that here in a little bit, so so definitely stay tuned for that. Man, there's been a lot of stuff going on this, this these last couple of weeks. Of course, we've had uh, the San Diego Comic-Con and a lot of the news about that. Uh, yeah, Josh... it's such a lackluster Comic-Con, too. Oh, you it's think like, so? This is the first year I've never written anything about Comic-Con because just, like, nothing's Nothing's interesting. I wrote more about the toys that were at Comic Con than anything else. Well, what about um, Tom Waltz walking away after 100 issues? I mean, maybe not walking away, but at least taking a break from writing. He's um, taking the main a run. break. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know what? The thing that's cool about that is it's still like it's in the family still. Sophie Campbell's yes. going to be doing the first. Um, she's going to be doing the first storyline after um, uh, issue 100. So. She'll be doing the first like 101 to 105 if they keep with the same five issue story arcs that mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, I would, you know what, man? I kind of hope they do. I kind of hope because they they weave such an epic story, like a 200 issue arc, which is insane. Yeah, and all of it interconnected, all of it leading to something else. I would kind of like them to kind of do what Mirage Comics did at a certain point. They just did one-off stories after one-off stories for a while, you know, and just, like, maybe that's not exactly viable anymore because, like, audiences expect more. Audiences are kind of, and I'm including myself in this, audiences are kind of spoiled (laughs) where they expect everything to connect to something it's a big larger like they're expecting a tapestry when sometimes you should just get a picture of something yeah and i don't know i would kind of hope that they go back to just like smaller stuff less grand scale more like here's an episode here's five issues of like the turtles camping in the woods <laughs> and, and the next five issues they have a they have to stop the triceratons invading again or something like that where it just Goes back and forth and back and forth and yeah, different yeah. artists, different writers. I hope for more writers. Um, yeah, well, just think about the lineup they they've had in the past too. I mean, Paul Aller. I mean, you're talking about the universe guys too. Paul Aller, yeah. of course, Sophie Campbell is, is going to be starting it off for us, and that's a man. That's a home run right away. Um, 
Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Michael Dialinus and uh, Mattias Santaluco. I'm waiting for them to come back. Oh yeah. Oh, well, I know uh, Dialinus is working on a couple of uh, issues in the future. He's probably. I think he's coming back within the next couple of issues, if I remember. Yeah, he was he was kind of teasing a little bit uh, on like, uh, like around ninety seven. Yeah, I saw some stuff. I, th- I think he did a Jenica sketch in ninety seven. I was like, ooh, yeah. So which which is cool, but um, and Sophie Campbell's coming back, but I'm really hoping for like an artist that I hope really comes back is Nick Parada. Ooh, um, what did he do? I, I think it's Parada or Patera. It's one of those. I'm oh, sorry, Patera. Yeah, that wrong. did um the Bebop and Rocksteady one. Yeah, but he also did the 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 universe issue with Worm in it. Yeah, that was a good one. You liked that issue, didn't you? That's that's my favorite universe issue, yeah. And I just I loved that issue, loved the art of that issue. It was, like, it was a very simple story of Michelangelo fighting Worm, you know, and uh, him sectioned off by himself. But it was a really cool take on collecting and stuff like that. And I, and I really loved the artwork. It just looked so weird. You just loved the, the figure so much you've been dying for a story for years. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> you know it. what? It, it, that kind of when you saw the references to like Pizza Face and Scratch and you know just uh, Scale Tail and all these weird things that like <laughs> specifically think uh, uh, fans our age would know about and probably only fans our age would know about. I, <laughs> yeah, I really that's think that's cool. You know, and, and that's not me trying to be all egotistical. It's like I know more than you, kid. But like just things that were around when we were children and just haven't been since then i really i really dig that you know and just but speaking of his art style i really loved his artwork and that once uh the art hooked me immediately and then once i was done reading the issue i was like this is just a solid story i really like did he write that story too i think he did yeah i think so yeah i, I could be wrong um uh but I, I think he did, which was you know just made it all the more impressive. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I'd love to love to see him back. We haven't seen him in a while. And then plus we don't know what's going on with Shredder yet. You know, uh, yeah. Shredder and Hell issue four isn't coming out yet. Hasn't come out yet. You know, I think oh, I think true. three yeah. issues are out. I think there's three of them out with yeah. two left. And um, I noticed that the collection, the trade paperback, shifted uh, release dates. It was originally in, uh, scheduled to come out in October. And now it's coming out in December, hmm. so I'm wondering if there's a delay in printing of the miniseries. Ah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen any advertisements for Shredder and Hell issue four yet. So yeah, I just maybe thought the it... end of this month. Yeah. Well, it is the end of this month, but already. But maybe it's next month. Maybe they skipped July because the last one was in June. And don't remind me about this month, man. Jeez, I go back to school in about a week and a half. Oh. Oh man. <laughs> Like I always say, you know, with with uh, June, it's like Saturday mornings. You got the whole weekend ahead of you, and then by mid July, that's like Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. That thought of school the next day, it's it's right there. That's 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 July. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, one thing that I, I'm really excited about is that, and Josh, I don't know if you knew this, man. We're nearing our six-year anniversary of the podcast. August 16th, I think, is the day um, that we'll, we'll hit six years. So that that's really cool. And um, That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And you've been on for, gosh, the majority of the episodes, man, at least like I came 100 on of 20, them. I came on in 2015. Gosh, it feels like you've been on longer than that. <laughs> Are sorry. you sure? No, no, no. That's, I mean, that is a compliment. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, really? I, I thought it was 2014. 20... 20, 2014 or 2015, but I remember that uh, it was around, 
I think it was like between Thanksgiving and Christmas when that episode I was on in, and then I and then I was basically full time in the Kevin Eastman interview with the following February. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And man, I'm I'm just sappy moment here. Very thankful. Very thankful that you came on, man. And uh, and I knew immediately. Like there was a couple things you had said in that first. That first uh, episode we recorded, I think it was... Jesus, the- this guy doesn't shut up, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, golly. He doesn't even drink. What's going yeah, on? What is going on? <laughs> no, no. I think the first thing that that got me about you was your laugh. Your laugh cracks me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. It, it just It's great. And, um, you know, I, I was a fan of your show, and, and when we got on... You know, it was right around the time that Josh Witt couldn't really do it full-time anymore. So in a lot of ways, I mean... I toyed with the idea of doing it just a solo cast, but I can't do it. It's too hard. Just doing Turtle Tales is difficult for me. Um, yeah. So I'm just so grateful you came on and we clicked right away. And man, it feels like you've been on since the very beginning. I mean, no yeah. joke. Um, <laughs> so. Well, I still want to. I mean, I still. Speaking of going solo, I still want to do a solo podcast. Uh, I was thinking since we're going bi weekly, just like in between Turtle Flakes episodes, I would have my own thing. Yeah, that'd be great. And- the only thing keeping me from doing it is I don't know how to record and edit stuff. <laughs> so oh, well, all I do is use a, a program called Audacity. I downloaded – I remember you, uh, Nicole uses, used to use that when we had a show. And so I downloaded that. I mean I've got everything to do it and it's just – I just have to try and do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Some people have a knack for it, man. I, I really struggle. I have to play off of somebody. I, I like I like doing the solo cast because you can just record anytime you want. Yeah. Um. But it's still it it to me it's it's harder. It's definitely harder, and you you run out of things to talk about pretty quick if you if you're not careful. But uh, yeah, I I'm mostly what I'm afraid of is it sounding like I'm reading off of off a cue card or something like that. <laughs> well, because I'm basically gonna just do a pop culture thing, just like basically I do movie news or comic book news or video game news or just like you know what grinds my gears. Yeah, you know what grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah, well, th- that's me. With like, um, and, we're going to and... talk today about leftist media. So, <laughs> oh god. <gosh. laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, for me, doing Turtle Tales, like, I-, I need to apologize to our listeners. It is something that I, I definitely is. It's still on the radar. It's still something I want to do. I've recorded two or three times, and I just don't like the way it sounds. So. Um, I'm going to try it again. I'm trying, like you said, not to, to read from my notes directly and just kind of talk about it. Yeah. It's not easy for me. I, I struggle with that. So it has been something I have been working on. It's not like I've just shelved it and said, eh, I'll do it later. Yeah. No, it's something I've been trying to do. It's just not come out the way I've hoped it would. Um, but it's still something that will come out this year. I, I do promise that. I, I, I definitely love the Tales issues and want to get more content about those out as soon as I can. So Yeah. Uh, why? Say what? <laughs> There's a fly in here. Oh, I thought you said why. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, whatever. Yeah, Look, why, why do you want to do that? Yeah, who? I mean, honestly, who do you think you are? Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, Mr. Big Shot, here we go. Yeah, who do you think yeah. you are? I what worked at right? Krypton for a weekend, yay. So. <laughs> I did kind of brag about it, didn't I? <laughs> I'm so jealous of that, man. It's like, yeah, it's like when I was when I was a teenager, that was like the job I wanted was a comic book store. Oh man, oh, I think we all feel that way. Yeah, I wanted to work at a comic book store and I wanted to work at a uh, at a movie theater. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, yeah. I always wanted to work in a movie theater, and from what I've I've had friends that worked in movie theaters, they're like, "No, dude, don't do it. <laughs> it's not what you think. Ruin movies for you." <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. 
so um, we did get some emails uh, about Jenica. You know, the, the infamous. No, I shouldn't say infamous. I, I think it's been well embraced. Um, the last issue of IDW. What was it? Ninety five. Ninety five. So we have a couple of emails about that, and then I'll talk about the project here. Let's see. So our good buddy Derek, he did send us two emails. We're going to share the Janica one this time, and then we'll save the other email about his collection, which was very sweet, by the way, for the next episode. So here's what Derek has to say about Janica here. Um, oh, wait a minute. I think it's a turtle com. Rocksteady, use this turtle com to contact his fellow shellbacks. Right, boss. Oh, boy. This is going to be fun. Hi, this is Judith Hope as the original April O'Neil from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm so glad you called. Leave a message after the beep, and if we're not beating up fat guys and trying to, like, whip the Foot Clan, we will return your call just as soon as we can. Thanks! Hey guys, it's Derek from Kentucky. Uh, first, want to say I hope I'm not wearing up my welcome on your podcast. So, uh, just want to give you my <laughs> thoughts on Jenica. Not. Really like her as a character. Really exciting uh, that she is now the fifth turtle in this IDW series. I do think that she will be as part of the series as the other turtles are now. I don't think she'll be kind of a side character like Slash, uh, which I'm totally cool with. I don't know how I'd feel about having a fifth turtle in every other iteration of the turtles going forward. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'm sure whatever they do, I'll love it because I always do. Um, but anyway, thank you guys for everything you do, and Cowabunga. Hey, Cowabunga, Derek. Uh, I'm glad to hear he's he's totally okay with uh, Jenica be- being um, most likely. I mean, I think it, she's going to be a main character. I mean, I think she's – let me ask you, Josh. Do you think Jenica will be like a April O'Neil where we'll, she'll kind of be in and out? Or do you think she's going to be with the Turtles just about every issue? No, I think she's going to be, I mean, evidence suggests that she's going to be just as much a part of the team as somebody like Old Hob or even Casey Jones. Like, Casey Jones isn't in every issue of the comics. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Slash wasn't in every issue of the comics. Um, Pigeon Pete isn't in every issue, but they're... <laughs> but you wish he was. But yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> hi, I'm Pete, you know, but they're they're the Turtles' friends, confidants, allies, partners, whatever. You know, they're, they're and confidants. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's not going to become Jenica and the Ninja Turtles or the Ninja Turtles and their friend Jenica. She's not going to be the fifth turtle. She's going to be she's going to be Jenica. You know, I do believe there will be a Jenica miniseries, you know, but um, I don't think after this storyline, I don't necessarily think it's going to be a five turtle lineup. You oh, know, interesting. I, I mean, like, ironically, everybody's kind of thinking, hey, or kind of gleefully thinking, hey, it's basically going to be next mutation now. <laughs> like, as, as much as I would gleefully, love Gleefully, huh? Be, as, yeah, I kind of think so, yeah. I mean, like, everybody's like, yeah, she's the fifth turtle. She's going to, like, she's going to move in, like, it's a sitcom or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, but, like, I mean, I would I would love to see that, but I the evidence suggests that they're not going to do that. She's going to yeah. be probably where she's always been. She's going to live at the Foot Clan compound. She's now she'll probably only go out at night. My big question is the thing that I'm super interested in is what happens with her and Casey, Casey Jones' relationship. Yeah, because yeah. like, are her is Casey not going to care that she's a turtle? 
you know, like, you know, is he still going to see, I mean, like it would be, it would set up a great, like kind of, I mean, like it's one of those things that the Ninja Turtles has never touched on really has never touched on. Um, where there's romance, there's like a romance story here. Where, it was getting there, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, it, I, I mean, I, I love the Ninja Turtles adventure comics from Archie, where you had Raphael and Ninjara. Those two were a couple for the longest time in that mm-hmm. comic book. Pretty much the entirety of that comic book, they were a couple. And then, I thought they did it wrong with the Nickelodeon series with Donatello. Uh, having a crush on April where it was just eventually or not even eventually, like very quickly, it got really embarrassing <laughs> about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, dude, she's just not that into you, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> you you kind of my life. Jeez. <laughs> and I get it. You know, I was 15 too. I totally identified with Donatello when he just was head over stupidly head over heels <laughs> in love with this one girl. And she was like, but you're my, you're my buddy, you know? Ah, you got friend zone day. Eh? You're just like a brother. It's like, oh, that's oh. Death, man. <laughs> oh, that's that's harsh, bro. You know, it's just... But, but I think it would be really cool. It was like... I just recently saw this movie called The Shape of Water, hmm. where... Have you heard of this movie? No, no. Okay. It's basically Creature from the Black Lagoon. It was a movie Ooh. by Guillermo del Toro. He directed it and won an Oscar for it. And this, it's... Uh, this lady falls in love with a mutant and they they genuinely fall in love with each other. It's a beautiful movie. I was like, yeah, let's see that with Casey Jones and Jenica. Have him not care that she's a turtle. Where it was like, not that he not that he's like, oh, well, you're a turtle now. Hey, let's go get a burger. But like <laughs> that, doesn't, that doesn't like diminish his feelings for her. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, you know? well, let's talk about that. You know, that that's... And this is extended to our listeners too. Uh, how do you think Casey's going to respond to this? You know, is he going to be like, "Oh, I still like you, but yeah, you're a turtle." Yeah. You know? Or you know, are they going to go back to being just friends? You know, it's not going to work. I'm a Sagittarius, and you're a friggin' mutant. <laughs> <laughs> that would change things, yeah. Um, but you know that, that that's an interesting thing. You know, I think with Casey's character, he would never give up on her. But obviously, can the romantic thing still exist? I, I don't know. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's an interesting. I don't know if controversial is the right word, but uh, interesting it's story. Controversial. I mean, controversy like kind of depends upon your maturity level. Sure, it's a fictional it's like, story, so yeah. I mean, it's just this isn't like you know next on Big Brother. You know, <laughs> it's, it's nothing like that. You know, but I I don't think she's gonna be. I mean, yeah, she's the fifth turtle, but I don't think she's gonna be the fifth turtle that's that's interesting you bring that up i actually tend to well i i here's me i want want that yes i want her to be but i definitely i i agree with more with you i don't think they're gonna make her a permanent character here's kind of where i see the story going and you brought it up in the last episode um i have a feeling jenica oh you know I was going to say, I had a feeling Jenica is going to be like, oh, I'm a monster for a little while. But now I'm thinking, no, because I've seen a lot of artwork for future uh, yeah. books. And she's, I mean, she looks like she's ready to fight. Like, she looks like she's ready to go. Well, you know, I mean, that is always Jenica's character where, like, she was just always ready to fight when when they needed her. 
Yeah. You know, and I think that there's I think there's way too much uh, of her character that's been developed over the last like four to five years. Yeah. Uh, this is something that's really gotten me. What really did grind my gears was about all these YouTube morons that were talking about how Ninja Turtles got woke and all this BS and how if they wanted to make a female turtle, they should have made an established character. And not oh, just... I know what you're talking about. It's like you didn't even read the comic because this character's been in the book for like four years. You yeah, know? Well, yeah, that was. Yeah, it's just, it was just a bunch of idiots that read a stupid article on Screen Rat and ran with it and just did all you have to do is do a little bit of research not even that much like go back like five or ten issues and read the last year's worth of comic and you would have of this comic and you would have known and you been a moron about it but you weren't because you were lazy (laughs) and but anyway um i don't even know i got myself but then you know you, you bring up a good point though it's it's easy to criticize it if you're just looking from the outside, from the outside looking in, you're going, "Oh, my next mutation!" You know, no. First yeah. of all, me, Venus de Milo and Janica are two separate characters. Legally, two they s- can't do that. Sure, but also, you know, it's two separate situations, two separate, two very, very different versions of the turtles. And the the thing that I think sells Jenica so much is the fact that she was an established character for 50-some issues. She's taken a complete 180 in her character. She's yeah. she's very dynamic to me. And I am 100% on board for this, you know? And, and that's that's the thing, you know, from the outside looking in, they're just going to, like you said, write articles on, cl- you know, clickbait stuff like that, you know? Right. yeah. But... I'm with you. I'm with you wholeheartedly, and I think the writing, to Tom Walt's credit, and Kevin Eastman, and the whole crew, Bobby Kernow, and mm-hmm. and um, all the artists that have handled Jenica too. I mean, she's just a great character, and yeah. I have absolutely no qualms with her being, even if she were to be the full time fifth Ninja Turtle, I would be yeah. okay with it. That's so. yeah, that's cool. I mean, like yeah. I would love it if Mondo Gecko was the fifth turtle. You know? <laughs> I mean, have all the have, you know what? Like have have it become GI Joe, where there's like ninety of them. Yeah, just throw you know, in there. Just like, just Another action figure. Then, yeah, you know what? That's cool. And, <laughs> you know, do a crossover with a radically rearranged Ronin Ragdoll. Yes. You know, yes. That rolls off the tongue. And <laughs> <laughs> The R. R. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't think she's – I mean, it's not going to – like I said before, they're not going to pull a Captain Marvel. She's not going to take over the entire industry. When you've seen how much – energy and time and thought care planning everything that went into this one moment it gives you a lot of confidence in everything coming next month yeah next or this month or whenever uh whenever the next issue's out but just going forward there's a lot of confidence that you should have in it because they uh they had to work to get this done because like I read the um, Tom Walt shared his uh, emails with um, or uh, basically he gave all the text of the email between him and Sophie Campbell. Yeah. And I forget I forget what you would call that. But like he shared all the text of all the emails from five years ago when he first came to her with this idea. And it was so cool to hear like Bobby Curnow was like, "Okay, we can try that. Kevin Eastman was all for it, all for it. And the guys that they really had to convince was Nickelodeon because Nickelodeon was like, dude, that's the one time the turtles kind of failed 
was introducing mm. a female turtle, despite the good intentions of Venus de Milo. Mm-hmm. And and next mutation as a whole, really, um, I mean that's why I mean going off on a tangent. That's why I like that show so much because yeah, I know the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but they had great intentions for that show, and it really is a shame that I mean like, especially when I mean hindsight being twenty twenty. Yeah, sure, season two sounded really cool, but whatever. And also, you know, you, you hate to say this, but it's, it's also a victim of its time period, too. You know, the, the Turtles craze was waning. A lot of the kids that grew up with the cartoon Arguably were getting older. Over. Yeah, yeah we're, we're, right. So it's also a victim of that, too. You know, so it's not entirely uh, it's not entirely the character's fault. It's not entirely the writer's fault. Yeah. You know, it's just a lot of things that just didn't work out for that time. But you can tell they learned a lot from it because after the 87 series ended, they kind of realized that, like, okay, those kids are kind of growing up because I was 14 at the time. I mean, I had a job. I was working. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in high school. I was getting ready for high school. Things were Got just you old, man. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I mean, like, things were just different, you know? And nowadays, after the 2012 series ended, they took a year off and then they made Rise of the Ninja Turtles. And that it's again just like Next Mutation. It was a new thing intended polarizing, for, yeah, intended for a younger audience. But this one's a success. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can say whatever you want, but like just the fact that that show. I mean, there are shows that get pulled halfway through. There's if a show is unpopular, it gets pulled. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you see it all the time. There are so many TV shows that don't make one season, that don't make half a season. There are there are shows that were so bad they were canceled before the second episode. That hasn't happened. The second season is coming next year. You know, they've already said they said it before the first season came out that it was already renewed for a second season. I'm sure we'll hear about a third one. You know, I mean they they've learned a lot from it. They learned how to make a success. And yeah, you know, you can argue that uh, it's just kind of Teen Titans Teen Titans go or you know steven universe it's kind of it's weird right the comic book is weird but like you really break down rise of the ninja turtles it takes a lot of chances that that are drastic that seemingly come out of left field even though they're well thought out because they're just so drastic and things that haven't been done before and bringing it back to the comics it's been it's doing the same type of same style of choice making that idw has been doing for years that sure. IDW ran out of the gate with, with like the whole reincarnation aspect. I mean, yeah. like you should expect, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche for a reason, but with the IDW comic, you should always expect the unexpected, mm-hmm. you know, well, I mean, you know, and that oh. sounds like I'm, I'm pumping it up way too much, but really, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady are arguably good guys now, <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, reincarnated turtles, a fifth turtle, Baxter Stockman more than likely is going to be mayor of New York. Shredder is literally in a comic book series where he punches Satan in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, we're going to get wound up over this. Great point. And, and just going back to what you're saying about Rise and, of course, with IDW, mm-hmm. it, you're allowed not to like it, of course. You, you know? don't have to watch it. You don't have to watch it. You don't have to. But you can't. I don't think you could argue that they, neither series has, has uh, played it safe. They've taken chances. You know, you, you can definitely respect that and um, count on that. 
Uh, Here's the thing about the Turtles. The Turtles have never played it safe. Yeah, I agree. I, mean, I agree. I mean, like, you put Batman in a movie, guaranteed $500 million. You put Ninja Turtles in a movie, I, I don't know. Even now, I don't know. I don't know how a live-action 90s-inspired Ninja Turtles movie would be because, ironically, now it doesn't look like the status quo. Mm-hmm. You know, there's going to be a lot of kids that are like, "That's why isn't Raphael the leader? Why isn't Donatello got a jetpack? Where, <laughs> where is Michelangelo's demon yo-yo? You know, where, where is all this stuff? You know, yeah. that's not Ninja Turtles, man. They don't fight the Foot Clan. They fight uh, John Cena. I can never remember his name. Uh, Baron, Baron Draxum. Yeah, Draxum. Like, <laughs> John Cena. John they can't Cena. see him. Anyway, Isaac and Grayson still call him John Cena whenever they see him. <laughs> I was like, you know that's you you know that's Baron Draxon. I was like, nope, John Cena. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who eventually becomes John C. Nile. There you go. C. Nile, yeah. And <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yes, I can't see myself. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that was terrible. No, it's fine. I'm used to it. But uh, <laughs> but I I really think like, you know, it's all Turtles is always a gamble. Turtles is always gonna be a gamble. That's why it works so well, because it's exciting. You kind of don't know what's going to work. You can't just put Spider-Man on a cover and have it sell with a new number one. Ninja Turtles, you got to prep. You've got to do your homework. You've got to bring your A game. Mm-hmm. You know, pardon me. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. We got that. get, we got plenty so, of cowbungas for you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, you've, you've really got to be on your toes and with, I mean, like there is no playing it safe. Like you've got to, you've got to go for a home run every time with mm-hmm. turtles because turtles, even though everybody likes it, turtles are just so off the wall that it's so easy to screw it up. Sure. Even though like you can do anything with the Ninja Turtles, like you can make, like you can make the turtles cross over with anybody. Spider Man, Batman, Jason Voorhees. I'm still waiting on a Ninja <laughs> Predator comic. You know. Oh, that'd be cool. You know, it was just announced. Here's the thing from Comic Con. It was just announced that in December we're finally going to get a Ninja Turtles Power Rangers comic book. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's from right. From Studios, and it's not. And IDW has no involvement with it. It's 100% Boom Studios, and, and Boom Studios. I can't speak for their whole brand, but their Power Rangers comic is good, and it does the IDW thing where it is. It takes the fantastic Technicolor weird designs and everything of the Power Rangers and all the goofy powers and Zeo crystals and, and dino cars and whatever. <laughs> and it grounds it in so much reality and it makes those characters so relatable that you just can't help but be endeared by it. Yeah. Like yeah. all of a sudden, like you, I mean like when you realize that Tommy has like PTSD from being a bad guy, and that public opinion on the Power Rangers is swaying because, hey, the Green Rangers on your team, can we trust you? You know, it's just like, because to, to the public, the Green Ranger was a dude that they saw on TV with a giant Godzilla-looking dinosaur robot that was destroying sky, skyscrapers, and now we're supposed to think he's a good guy? Mm, that good doesn't work, man. And, like, and they did that with the flipping Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, Say it which, with which one do you yeah. read? Uh, what do you mean? Which because there's there's two different Boom Studio Power Rangers, oh, right? Isn't there? Yeah. Well, they have they have um as far as I know, they've got the regular Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Is that the one you read, or that's the one that I read? They also have Go Go Power Rangers, which is kind of like a prequel, 
where it was just oh. the five original Rangers. And then they just wrapped up a third series, which was kind of a mini series called Shattered Grid, which is an evil Tommy from the future is going through the multiverse and destroying the Power Rangers of Ooh. different multiverses and collecting their power coins. And so, like, he is this super powerful bad dude ranger that all of the surviving Power Rangers have to team up on and, and take him out. And I haven't read that because uh, I'm waiting for it to come out in trades. And if you think IDW is slow with their trade releases, dude, like Boom Studios <laughs> gives you like one a year. It's oh, like, oh man. man. I do want to collect them because I've heard you talk about it before to Jay Weezy's chagrin. Yeah, it's whatever, <laughs> man. It's a good book. Like I've heard, yeah. I mean, it's really good. Like you should spend a dollar and get the first issue. It's it's really good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know what? I'm going to do that this week. That sounds good. But anyway, keeping it with turtles, I mean, like you, they, you can't help but take chances with turtles, man. Well, yeah, yeah, and and Corey, he actually, it, it's interesting. So Derek's for Jenica. I'd love to hear your your take on Corey's take here. So here's what Corey has to say. He is, sends he a, an email. is he a contrarian? Uh oh yes, oh yes, <laughs> oh yes. All right, so here we go. Look, uh, Corey, it's cool, man. It, it, you don't have to like everything they do. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. just like we said, yes. So he says, yeah. hey, guys, Corey here. Last episode, you guys asked our opinions on adding a new permanent fit turtle, Jenica being the one deemed by the writers to fill this role. I don't and have never had a problem with there being a fifth turtle. I don't really count Slash and Toka as they, as they always at least flip-flop between sides or just end up being enemies the whole time. Jenica has been around for almost 50 issues, but I've personally never found her to be a compelling character. She was an assassin trying to kill Splinter, was stopped and subjugated into the, the new Foot Clan, and then became extremely dull, at least in my opinion. I've never found her compelling. Even her relationship with Casey seemed like just driving another wedge between Casey and April just for the sake of it. And for the record, I've never thought Casey and April should, should necessarily be a couple. They've been in almost every iteration, but going back to the Mirage comics, they didn't really get together until the end of the original City at War story arc, so it's not even that far of a diversion for them to split up. But I digress. Uh, Like I said, I have no problem with there being a fit turtle, and even that being Jenica doesn't bother me, and can be compelling if handled correctly. I'm just curious if people genuinely like Jenica as a character before this mutation, or if it's more that people having the rose-colored glasses about her role and importance now that she is going to finally be important in the story. Keep up the good work, guys. This podcast is one of my favorites and only two that I'm subscribed to. Wow. Jeez, we made the cut for two. Thanks, man. Uh, I always look forward to new episodes and really appreciate how active you two are in the community. Thank you so much for the email, Corey. And, boy, some interesting points made. Um, you know what? That's I never even considered that. That are we all in? Are we? Pardon the pun, but are we all in shell shock right now? Oh no! Don't pardon that pun. That was glorious. See how it's done, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Thank you, thank you. No, but yeah, uh, do we have rose? T- are we in? Are we in such awe right now? From holy crap! Look what they did. I can't believe they did that. This is awesome. Well, this changes everything. I think that's out there, and I hate to be that guy that's like, "Oh, I liked her before she was a turtle," but I'm that guy. I really did like her before. I really liked the fact that she had made a 180. I'm drawn yeah. to Old Hob the same way. So I never yeah. really felt she was dull. If anything, I liked the um was it the Michelangelo micro series where we got the, you know, where she's taking care of the orphans a lot and and yeah. she's working yeah, with yeah. Mikey. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, her and Michelangelo are training kids. And yeah, 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 I like that she became. She went from being a cold-blooded assassin, hell bent on killing Splinter, to being almost like a mother figure for orphans. I mean, that's a heck of a transition. And she wasn't quite done with her transition, so you know. Well, you know, I mean, I kind of think like, yeah, she, she, you're right. She is dull. She, oh. she, no, 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 no. Not, I'm not being negative here. She is a dull character because look at what her character was beforehand. She was this super tough bad guy character who was who was trying to who was aligning herself with uh, the Street Phantoms or with Darius Dunn to take out Splinter, and not necessarily that she was going to like run the Foot Clan after that. I'm sure she would have told Karai, "Hey, I took care of it for you. Come back here." Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, her character, that is a tired character trope of the uh, the vengeful, wayward kind of spirit, I guess. And seeing what they did with it, with making her realize that, oh, man, Splinter took mercy on me. That's, so I'm going to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And like Splinter, like not only did Splinter not kill her, which he rightfully could have done. But he also made her his bodyguard. Mm-hmm. So I guess it was like a psychological thing where it was just like, you wanted to kill me. Now I'm going to make you spend every minute of every day with me. You know, and uh, I really think that that's cool. And she learned through taking care of the children, through play- hanging around with Michelangelo, through uh, getting butterflies in her stomach around Casey Jones. She learned her humanity again. Yeah. You know, and then you found out that there was this huge thing with her and her dad had a falling out, and she had a boyfriend that was in a gang. It got her in a gang, and it got her noticed by the Foot Clan, and then she got adopted by the Foot Clan, and then uh, this, that, and the other. So, I mean, it is a good character, but like it, your introduction to her was just another comic book trope of sure. the vengeful student or whatever. So I get it when people say that she's a bore. She was a boring character, but then they they do what good writers do, and they took a boring character and they did something not boring with her. You know, because you could argue that Leonardo is a boring character. He doesn't do anything his father doesn't tell him to do. You know, he is a steadfast leader who is the best, technically best Ninja Turtle, and he always has been, and he always will be. That's boring. So how do you make that not boring? You push a character beyond his limits. You make him break a few of his own rules and then own up to it. Mm-hmm. You do you do things with him, you know. And and I get it. Maybe some people are in shock and awe over them doing them doing Venus to Milo again, even though that's a disservice to both characters labeling her that. But like they 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 did the female turtle again. Yeah. Like I, I mean, I'm sorry. I still don't think she's gonna be like the fifth turtle. I think the 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 hero shots of her posing with the Ninja Turtles are all promotional. And if you read Tom Waltz's emails with Sophie Campbell, yeah, they were they were promotional images they created to show Nickelodeon to prove that there's something there. You know, wow. so so I mean, you're not happy with it. That's fine. You know, and. If you are happy with it, that's great, you know, but I don't, I still hold to this and I'm sure you'll feel the same way. 
I, I think you will. It's not going to become Jenica's book. I think that's what a lot of people are worried about. You know, I mm-hmm. mean, it's been a couple of weeks. The shock is over a little bit, I think. Now people are wondering if they're going to pull a Marvel and start doing stupid agenda stuff. You know, and, and I don't I don't believe they're going to. I think it's still going to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We know who they are. You know, and if they wanted to introduce a fifth turtle, they could have done it with Slash. Because Slash had, yeah, he was a bad guy for all of like three issues. And then he had instantly formed a friendship with Michelangelo. He had a secondary mutation, or I can't remember what happened that made him super smart, but like he, like they developed, they cultivated a character there. And then went spoilers, but when he died, like you really felt it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. When he gives him the candy bar. Oh. Yeah. You know, and he's can't like, it. and then he tells Michelangelo, is like, you know, I have to, I have to die because that's sometimes that's what heroes have to do. You know, and it's like, and he reiterated Michelangelo's words back to him from like, 60 issues earlier mm. <laughs> you know it's just you know and then gave him a candy bar on the way out you know i thought that was cool you know and i mean yeah no toka wasn't the fifth turtle because he was always a bad guy slash flip-flopped once you know so even that i get your example but even that's not a hundred percent accurate but like slash could have been the fifth turtle especially when michelangelo was one of the mutanimals but he wasn't Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is going to be a fifth turtle. Like, and even if there were, it would ring hollow to be like it would have been like. Ironically, it would have been what they did with Next Mutation. You know, come to think of it, there was a fifth turtle in that bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's just lazy writing. Right there. <laughs> there was five in there. I, th- I just miscounted. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about it for the last eighteen years. <laughs> Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, uh, Corey, thank you for emailing in, and uh, you too, Derek. It's interesting to, to kind of hear both perspectives. And also, you know, from just the general, um, overall, I, honestly, it's, for me at least, it's been like an 80, 80% positive, about 20% negative on Jenica being a a potentially fifth turtle, you know, the full-time fifth turtle. And, uh, you know, that's really refreshing. It's good to see that. You want to know what the actual reaction is? Because we're like, we're, you're on this show or you listen to the show, you're kind of like a super fan, right? Because not a lot of people listen to this show. No, we've, yeah, was, that's very true. <laughs> and it's like, you're a super fan. So you're like, whoa, Cloud9. It's like, yeah, new character, potential new stories happening. That means the IDW series isn't done. That's what I take away, away uh, from it all. Yeah, not, good point. You know, and yeah, and in retrospect, this happening made me realize, yeah, Jenica was in a lot of the last. 50 issues yeah you know what her character was really had a lot of depth and growth but the actual and there's there's also like the angry joe idiots out there that are just like yeah whatever (laughs) but like the actual reaction of it is somebody read that book and was like all right Mm. that's cool yeah there's nobody this sounds harsh but nobody cares all right (laughs) yeah okay you're not talking about Turtles fans, but you're talking about, you know, I'm like the casual about, I'm talking about, yeah, I, I mean, not to be pretentious, but the sure. person that just, the casual fan, the person that only reads this comic book, doesn't collect anything, doesn't watch everything on TV, doesn't make sure every Saturday morning I watch the 1990 movie, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just reads the IDW book. You're like, whoa, that's cool. 
all right, see you next month. <laughs> and they put the book down and they got the next one in their box and whatever. Well, that's you know, the actual rate. Like 98% of the time, that's the reaction to literally anything we blow up about online. The overwhelming majority of the reaction to anything that we think is a game changer is just people going, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, we should look at that. <laughs> a little, little weird, but why not? You know? <laughs> And, Corey, would you feel any different if, I mean, here's an example, or a hypothetical, if it were April that were mutated, would you feel differently? Oh, yeah, that's an interesting question, because, you know, he, he talked about that, and how because they didn't even have any, to be a couple. Yeah, well, I mean, if anyone had to be a fifth turtle, it should be April. Mm. I mean, she is, in my opinion, she's always kind of been the fifth turtle. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's kind of like it's kind of like you want to get super nerdy about comic books. Uh, Lois Lane is technically a member of the Justice League. Huh. You, know, you know because Superman—that's Superman's wife. They all know her. She knows all of their identities. We might as well make her an honorary member. So April could be an honorary turtle. You know, it's mm. just and how much fan art and promotional art is April posing with like Leonardo's sword and a Channel Six microphone? Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, good point. She's the fifth. She should be the fifth turtle. Jenica's not going to be the fifth turtle. She's going to be a new side character. Oh, or see, I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I think she's going to be the same character, and this crazy thing happened to her, and now she's got to deal with it. Okay. And I think that there's going to be a time where they're dealing with it, but eventually, just like everything else in comics, the status quo will be... Uh, put back in place that's interesting you bring that up i was gonna say you know say if there's a reboot or there's there's another thing is 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 jenica just gonna be um and only time will tell i mean only time will tell how accepted this character is how the writers originally wanted this character to be time will tell a lot of things here but i I hope that we pick up issue 96 and she's jenica the human again i'm gonna be so mad (laughs) wouldn't that be something oh dude (laughs) What if this was the biggest bait and switch? Biggest ever? troll. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> I kind of couldn't get mad at that. You know, I'd be like, all right, I, I see what you did there. You Yeah, they they pulled a Donatello on us. Yeah, I know they pulled a Donatello on If they did that, oh, my God. Oh, that'd be funny. All, all, oh, that'd be great. But, you know, what I was going to say is I hope that Jenica does, and this last thing I'll say, and I'll shut up about it, that that Jenica does transcend the IDW series. I hope that she is that big and successful of a character. Oh, dude, I want a Jenica action figure. Yes, yes. I'd love to see her in other shows. You know, I I, I would. And, And again, doesn't have to be a permanent fifth turtle, which I'd be fine with. But just to see her again, you know, that, that she's identifiable just like Slash was or just like obviously Casey Jones and April, you know, uh, just a major character um, uh, in the grand scheme of things. So You know what I can't wait for is going like, well, you know, when I was a kid, Venus de Milo was the fifth turtle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's going to happen. Like if this is a hit. And, like, she shows up in, like, Rise of the Ninja Turtles in, like, season three. Hashtag not my Venus. She's got a cameo (laughs) in a movie. Hashtag not my Venus. Yeah, man. (laughs) 
dude, you wait and see. All of a sudden, you're going to see people pulling out Venus toys. You're going to see Venus to Milo action figures on eBay going for $1,000. Oh, wouldn't that be something? You're going to see people with fake merchandise that they swear they had. You know. Oh, gosh, that's so funny. It's going to be like Wonder Bread He-Man all over again. <laughs> All right, so uh, before we get into Drawing Blood, we do have one more email uh, we wanted to talk about, and this is a really cool one. Now, Josh, I I haven't gotten to tell you a whole lot about it, but apparently this is a magazine that was started by a, a really cool Facebook group. Uh, let's see, I, I had the the group page. I'll just read from the, the exact website here. It's from CosmicLionProductions.com. And let me send you the audio file while I read this so we can kill two birds with one stone here. And um, let me read from the website real quick. Uh, so this is, again, from CosmicLionProductions.com. And this is a really cool little uh, fan project here, uh, artist project, actually. So here's what it says on the website. An epic comic magazine called from an, an art contest on the TMNT Comics and Art Collectors BST group on Facebook. So, again, that's TMNT Comics and Art Collectors BST. Over 30 artists from around the world donated art to this zine, including the winner of the art contest, Alvaro Leon. Or Leon? I guess Leon? Uh, part of the funds from the sale of this comic will go to the charity of the choice of the Facebook group, and the rest will go to the quality printing. To quality printing. We start here with the pre-order to collect money for the printing. The zine will be printed no matter what and will begin shipping in late July. Any questions, please email Eli at... TheWeenZine.com. So that's T-H-E-W-E-E-N-Z-I-N-E.com. So Eli actually reached out to us on Facebook. I didn't know anything about this, but it's such a cool thing because it's going to a lot of comic creators and artists that may have some financial struggles. And and it's just a really cool fan art thing that's good for us fans uh, to check out with the TMNT artists that that have contributed and also helps people out in the process. The books are going for about 10 bucks a piece. Uh, from what I've seen, and um, they look really cool. I'm going to try to pull up the PDF that he sent me earlier uh, to kind of get a, an idea, but he sent us a voicemail, so we're just going to go and play it. It's about six minutes long, but it's really insightful and, and pretty hilarious, too. I really like Eli, and he definitely he has a great radio voice, and as a matter of fact, I was thinking that all along, and I found, I found out after the fact that he has his own podcast, so it definitely makes sense now. Um, and I'll try to find a link to that podcast so I can share it on our show notes. So uh, here is Eli's message. Uh, Josh, whenever you're ready, we'll do our countdown. What up, Robin Josh? This is Eli Schwab from Cosmic Lion Comics. Just wanted to shout out and tell you guys about an awesome new project that myself and Armani Milan from the TMNT BST group over at over on Facebook. Now, Armani hosted a really awesome art contest over there that he wanted submissions for Turtles Samurai Art. And man, when I saw all the amazing art that was collected there, I was like, we need to get this in print. We need to collect this and we need to make a handsome volume of these amazing pieces of art. Now, I have some experience. I'm an independent comic book artist myself. Cosmic Lion Productions publishes my own comics. We have a couple podcasts. Shout out Cosmic Lion Radio and my current pod- podcast, Can I Thwip It? 
about hip hop and comics. <laughs> awesome. So I've published another zine, which is uh, a ween zine about the band ween. If any of you guys are fans of ween, I also with the Facebook group called the ween appreciation society, another large group of talented, passionate fans, uh, got together and, and a bunch of people did art and comics and I wrote comics based on a lot of the songs and drew them. And so that got me really amped up on harvesting the creative talents of people on the internet, you know, and, and collecting them and, and just creating what we love, which is comics and, and honoring this property or band or thing that we love so much. And so when I saw all the art, I talked to Armani and I was like, yo, we gotta collect this. And so, you know, Armani did the hard part, which was get everyone to do the art, submit it and collect it. And then what I did is reached out to everyone, got high res versions of the art. And then I also reached out to the, um, the, the judge of the contest who was Ozzy Fernandez, who is an amazing variant cover artist. I'm sure you've seen the piece he did. That's like the technodrome in the background and all the, you know, cartoon villains and the, you know, toys that we all had, you know, you have all the, the great versions. And so I did a great interview with him. Uh, and I also reached out to a very special guest, one of the all time favorite and probably, uh, most, Someone who's drawn the most TMNT comics, and that's Chaboy Jim Lawson, the best, my favorite my Turtles artist, the one whose art, after Eastman and Laird, obviously, whose art that we all saw first, you know, he drew for Mirage, he drew for Archie, and then, you know, his work on volume two, his work on volume four, just destruction by the man jim lawson and as you guys were talking about last week or a few weeks ago Hellride and dragonfly the guy is the best and one of the nicest dudes ever whenever i was doing my very first comic monkey lion the um ongoing adventures of an intergalactic afro funk band on tour through the galaxy available at cosmic productions.com when i was doing that first issue i reached out to him just like on a lark <laughs> would you want to do a pinup for my comic and he was like yeah dude what's your address a couple weeks later full-size bristol board with my hero on it just drawn by him no charge jim lawson is the man i love you thank you so much so for me putting this thing together was a dream come true being a lifelong ninja turtles fan you know i was born in 1984 the same year as the turtles and so i grew up with them and I remember buying, you know, I'm from Cumberland, Maryland, shout out MD. And, you know, we had the books. I would go to the paperback exchange and I would buy the Archie comics. That was my first big book. And, you know, I, I would buy the Mirage and my first issue, I believe, was issue three, a reprint of issue three. And I bought that and it was in black and white and, and I didn't understand it at first. And then I think the second or one of the other early Mirage books I bought <laughs> when I was way too young was the Michael Zuli Turtles. And I was like, I have no idea what this is, but these are the most <laughs> versatile characters I've ever seen in my life. Let me get back to the Archie comics. Mm. And then in 10 years, I'll glorify the Zuli Turtles for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, I mean, I've always just been synonymous with the Turtles to those who know and love me. You know, when Facebook started or when social media, I mean, 
my wall was constantly barraged with, you know, every turtles article that came up and, you know, my friends are at a, a store and they see a turtles thing and they buy it and send it to me. And it's just turtles have been my life and I've loved them forever. So to be able to create something that can be added to the collectible world of turtles, which is, you know, something I collect hardcore. And the fact that someone could take this samurai zine and get it signed by Kevin Eastman or CGC graded or, you know, have it in their long box, have it on their table and flip through it. I mean, that's just a joy for me to add to this world that I love so, 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 so much. So, Rob and Josh, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity to be on your show, Turtle Flakes. We are not flaking on these turtles because we're shaking the dirtles <laughs> out of my little Smirtles. Smirtle the turtle, not the coolest turtle. That's Myrtle the turtle, not the coolest turtle. And yo, I am a Donnie fan. You know why? And I think it's part of what makes a lot of people Donnie fans. He's kind of the nerd. Yeah. And weren't mm-hmm. we all kind of the nerds? It's true. Back then. Especially Josh. When our entire lives were action figures and cartoons and wearing headbands to music class because it says Ninja Turtles <laughs> and your music teacher says, take that off. I said, no, <laughs> never. TMNT for life. T-E-R-T-L power. What an ending. Thank you so much, Eli. Wow. Are you done with yours there, Josh? Did this guy add music to his phone call? (laughs) That was the greatest message. I love that. That was awesome. I would love to know how he orders a pizza. (laughs) With style. He probably racks his order. Yeah, I know. I just, I don't, I don't have, I mean, just, I, I feel really inadequate now, man. I just. I've been ending my phone calls the wrong way. Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, yeah, dude, have you um, – I sent you the How PDF. How am I older than all these people and I'm not this successful yet? <laughs> like, oh, you're successful. You stop it. <laughs> uh, well, have you, have you gotten – I sent through our Skype chat a link to the PDF. While you pull that up, man, you got to look at this artwork. I, I've been skimming through it as I've been listening. Holy cow. Some of this art is absolutely – phenomenal like this is very professional and mm-hmm. i am just blown away that this all started from a facebook group page and all these artists have gotten together and and thank you so much armani and eli for putting this together and getting a print copy and eli as a matter of fact sent a, a follow-up email to this recording and he said hey guys i got all excited and forgot to mention the actual website directly so please say that it's available on cosmic lion and he says, uh, I talked for six minutes about the turtles and didn't mention the Hero Initiative. That's the charity I was I was trying to reference earlier. I couldn't remember the name oh, of it. Oh, I've heard of the Hero Initiative. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So all the profits are going to this. And this is – I'm telling you guys, looking through this, it's got interviews with the artists. The artwork itself is just phenomenal. Um, I've been looking through it, and I was very impressed. And I'm definitely going to donate next paycheck to this. I'd like to even buy a couple if I can. I got to see, you know, if my budget will allow for that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, here's what the the Hero Initiative in, initiative is all about. In case you've never heard of it, um, it is a charity that creates a financial safety net for comic creators who may need emergency medical medical aid, financial support for essentials of life, and an avenue back into paying work. 
So this is going to a good cause. It's only 10 bucks for a printing. Go check it out, guys. CosmicLionProductions.com. And Eli, thank you for the phone call. Excellent points about Jim Lawson and Donatello. And dude, we I got to check out your podcast, man. He's quite a character and obviously very talented to put something mm-hmm. like this yeah. together. So, yeah, uh, Josh, have you seen any of the sketches yet, man? It's downloading right now. So. Oh, dude, dude. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't open it. I'm, I have to download it as a PDF. So when I get to it, yeah, yeah. Well, while I don't you're, know, I don't know how fast this is. Yeah, well, while you're pulling yours up, I want the. I just had mine. Here it is. First of all, the cover looks awesome, and the winner was. I think the winner was Emmanuel Silva. Um. <laughs> Maybe he's the first one on here, and it's so cool. They they did the um, the artwork, and then right beside it is like the Turtle Tracks like forum and interview format that's just like the original Mirage books. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, I love that stuff. Nice touches here, and and whoever organized the actual format, I don't know if that was you, Eli. Um, very professionally done. Really cool stuff, and I am just very impressed by what I see here. So I, I can't wait to get my hands on one of these. And the color printings, like a samurai Casey Jones. Yes. Why has that never been thought of before? <laughs> I'm looking at some others here. Looks like a samurai zombie version of Sh- Slash, I think, because the shell, the turtle shell has spikes. I think that's Slash. Yeah. Really cool. I don't want to give too much away here. You just have to see it for yourselves, guys. But um, you get a lot of bang for your ten bucks. That is for sure. So again, this I, this magazine is called the TMNT Samurai Tribute Book. Uh, check out CosmicLionProductions.com. Well, you know, the one other thing I'll say before we get into the comic book is my neighbor, um, his name is Eric, and he's actually a new listener to the show. He, he texted me today and had a <laughs> bunch of theories about what it would be like if they did make another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movie, and if if they did, you know, for fan service sake, uh, if they did make a sequel to the 1990 movie, you know, all these years later. You um, know, it, that would be funny, yeah, because, like, that's certainly a popular thing now. I mean, like, sure. Halloween... Halloween proved that you can do it. Halloween, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it and, made. I mean, we basically got Halloween two forty years later. Yeah, yeah, and, and we're getting. Um, there's been. I was talking to Josh about this earlier. There, there was rumors that they might be re-releasing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles nineteen ninety film, um, in theaters again. But it's just rumors right now. I, I, I doubt that. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll get a, we'll get a new Blu-ray. Like I guarantee, we'll get a Blu-ray. See, you don't think they'll show? I think that's iconic enough. I mean, I think it's almost as big as Ghostbusters, and they released that. Well, you know, I mean, like they could have re-released Batman, the Michael Keaton Batman this year, and they which didn't I'm surprised. That. Yeah, that's true. I'm surprised yeah, they didn't I, do that. I mean, you know what? I mean, the reality is, it's iconic to us, but you know, we're but, too deep. You know, I mean, like we're. I mean, yeah, sure. That is, there were a lot of people that saw that movie. Yeah, I mean, that was the that was at the heart, right in the middle of the turtle craze. I mean, from the late eighties to probably ninety four, ninety five. I mean, Ninja Turtles was was huge. Whereas Batman, I don't know, there was a Batman era of the eighties and nineties. I mean, yeah, of course, Batman's always big. You well, don't get me I mean, wrong. Like, that Batman movie had a lot to prove because everybody that knew about Batman. They knew the reality was they knew about it from the Adam West show and how stupid it was and how goofy it was. <laughs> and 
they saw this. I mean, it was it was a risk being sure. that dark and brooding and just just out there, and yeah. it worked out. But yeah. oh, thirty yeah. years later, I mean, you know what they did do? Thirty years later, they got a Blu-ray release. You know, mm-hmm. celebrating. I mean, they did the whole uh, series of Batman, Batman Returns, Batman Forever, and Batman and Robin, and really they did all of them. Yeah, including the Christopher Nolan movies. And uh, so that's that's what I think will happen. I think we'll get a new collector's edition, 30-year anniversary version of the 1990 movie on Blu-ray. Bunch of making of stuff, bunch of retrospective stuff, interviews with the cast, creators, the writers, all this stuff. So that's what I think is going to happen. I don't, I don't think it's going to be put back in theaters. And if it is, I will be very happily surprised and I'll go see it as soon as I can. You know, probably day one, you know. Yeah, oh, gosh, yeah. If they were to do that, oh, man. I mean, if they were to re-release it in theaters, Josh, we got to find a way to meet up, and we got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. I'll drive up there to Minnesota. Or you can come down here. Or we can be in the middle. Oh, man, we, we got to go uh, because it's just a special thing. I That was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. Mm-hmm. I was four years old. I've told the story many times. So I won't say it again. But you just cried. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, even Josh I remember. I know the story. Yeah, I've heard uh, it. So, you know, it's just one of those things. I wouldn't cry this time, Josh. I know the turtles are going to be okay. These are tears of awesome. <laughs> I may cry when I see you. I'm like, I yeah. love you, man. I love you, man. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, there's our question for the week for our listeners there. Do you think that they could uh, or, or that a re-release of the 1990 movie in theaters would be successful would it be something you would want to see with your kids let us know and do you think it would happen um since we're we're coming up on 30 years of that movie which just makes me feel very very old now yeah right um, yeah oh my gosh i remember i remember when they were teasing it <laughs> and i remember i was right around the time i think it was in kindergarten i got in trouble or something and my mom wouldn't take me to see it right away i don't think i saw it on opening day and i think she was also a little concerned because it looked a little violent yeah, you know, my mom was one of those moms. She didn't even want me watching the family-friendly cartoon because it was a little violent. Mm. And eventually, she kind of softened on that. I remember being seven, and oh, so you, yeah, you probably remembered a lot of it. Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, my see, my parents really didn't care about not that they didn't care what I watched, but like they had to be convinced that I wasn't going to be one of those kids that was like you know trying to beat people up at the park the next day because I watched. <laughs> that was later. Films. Yeah, I was like, well, remember when, like, the Power Rangers came out? Like, people were just oh, yeah. crap out of kids. And just... You know, just they kids, thought they were putties. Kids were, like, putting each other in the hospital because they were trying to be, like, the Red Ranger or something stupid like that. <laughs> because, you know, kids. But, like... For me, it was the Mortal Kombat stuff. Like, I remember all the kids were crazy about Mortal Kombat. I had Mortal Kombat. Kombat when I was, like, nine. That came out on Sega. I had... You know, my mom played it with me. You know? <laughs> She did a fatality on you. I used, I did Scorpion's fatality, and my mom goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> <laughs> she says, "Get over here, man!" It's like, oh, oh this, this is this is a different kind of game, isn't it? <laughs> so, well, you go ahead and play that. I mean, like the game before that that my mom played was Pong. You know, <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> a little different. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, anyways, that's our our question for the week. Would, would you want to see, or do you think the re-release of the 1990 movie will ever? be out so 
yeah, that's a, that's a good one to definitely talk about next time. And also for our listeners who emailed in Derek, and I think we had another one, we will read your emails on the next episode. And I think without any further ado, we should get into this comic, eh? Oh, yeah. Hello, Violators. You're in Casey's comic classroom. Prepare to be screwed. All right, so, Josh, how do you want to do this, man? Because this is a, this is a big book. Do we want to go page by page, or do we want to just talk about the story in general? How do you want no, to No, we should not go page by page. People have been listening to this show for an hour and a half already. They're tired <laughs> of us. They want to go to bed. They want to go to bed. Yeah. Yep, yep, I understand. Is this what the listeners want or what Josh wants? No, sorry. Um, ah, it might be both. <laughs> no, so um, so basically, let's just go over the gist of the story and just like, I want to know, like, I want to know, like, you're a big moment. In, oh man! Like what is like? Well, like what? What makes this book for you? And then we gotta know. I mean, because we have no way of knowing what volume two is gonna be. I, this is my question: Why is volume two a Kickstarter? I would imagine they they would be able to. I, first off, why does Kevin Eastman need to kickstart anything? Can't <laughs> you know? Like, how is this not an IDW book? Is it because like violence, language, and some mild nudity here and there? Because there really isn't any, but there is somewhere. I mean, I don't really know. I don't, I don't know why this doesn't have an IDW logo on it. Maybe he just wanted to be like free of restrictions or something like that. I really don't know, but I wonder if that maybe was part of it. You know, it's just this is something he wants to do on his own. This is something that you know, if if it's meant to be, it's it's going to be. I, I really don't know. I find that the, the fact that it took off as much as it did so quickly. I'm sure that's part partly because it's Kevin Eastman. It's it's that gives it immediate legitimacy. But I don't know. That that's a great question. But I, I like, I love. If you don't mind, I will read one little thing here. It's the inside of the cover, mm-hmm. where it's Shane Bookman, and like you said, it's basically Kevin Eastman's story. It's, it sure it's seems Kevin that way. Eastman. It's Kevin yeah. Eastman the comic book. Even though Kevin Eastman is in this book too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that? That is kind of funny. Yeah, it talks about the creation of the book. So this is on the inside cover. It's one of the only things I'll read, except for maybe something at the very back. It says, "So it's 2015, and I'm in Seattle for Emerald City Comic Con. I did a signing, and it wasn't a total disaster. But the signing was over, and I was at the hotel bar, and Beastly was off somewhere. So I started drinking alone. Depending on your point of view, drinking is something I'm either very good at or very bad at. Anyway." <laughs> A few cocktails in, some dude in a black suit and tie takes the stool next to me. I'm a little hazy, and I start wondering what I've done lately that I can be arrested for. Turns out he's not a cop or a fed. He's a newish comic book writer, David Avalone. We start talking, and turns out we have some friends and life experiences in common. We hit it off. He's not some crazed Ragdolls fan, so that's a relief. I get drunker and start telling all the old stories. Filter off, defenses down. Some of them are pretty funny, I guess. Avalone asked me if I ever put any of them on paper. The cats are great, but this is the real stuff. I get drunk enough that I have no money for, or I have no memory of how the night ends. I fly back to New York and forget all about it. Turns out Avalone talks to Kevin Eastman about me. Yeah, that guy. I won't lie, his turtles inspired my ragdolls. But whatever. Frank Miller and Dave Sim and Jack Kirby inspired his turtles. Circle of life, right? Anyway, long story longer, Eastman reaches out to me, says he and Avalone want to get me back in print and tell my story, all of it, the crazy stuff, 
And even though I'm, co I'm cold sober, I agree. They go out and hire some talented folks to help them, like this Ben Bishop kid, terrific artist. They go to Kickstarter because it's the 21st century, I guess, and amazingly, it all works. And they all put it together, this thing that you hold in your hands. Me? Well, I read and I think, holy crap, what have I done? But that's me. I think you, whose lowest personal moments are not on display, are going to love this darn thing. I hope you do, because there's a lot more where this came from. Strap yourself in and start reading. Your pal, Shane Bookman. So, first of all, I like that, you know, he... Shane Bookman, I'll put that in quotes. I like that, uh, the story of him meeting Dave Avalone. I mean, obviously, it's just they had that chemistry right away. And found out later that um, David Avalone came up with the title for this book, mm -hmm. that, Drawing Blood. I thought that was really cool. And I like that Shane Bookman says, you know, he was kind of relieved that it wasn't some crazed her, um, Ragdolls fan. See, I'm catching yeah. myself here. <laughs> this is going to be hard. It really you know? makes you wonder how Kevin Eastman, uh, what he thinks when he talks to guys like us. Sure. Yeah. That, you know, I, I wonder that too. And that's another draw for me. If we ever get him on the show again, yeah. what if we didn't How's talk turtles? Going, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what if we just, just talk to him, you know? Hmm. Like, maybe even not even record, just talk to him. So I just find that, you know, going back to what you were saying about, I wonder if he, that's how he feels about a lot of Turtles fans, that sometimes he's got to put that mask on or that filter on. Yeah. Um, I certainly can't blame him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I can't blame him because, like, you know, just like, I mean, how would you feel like, even if you didn't create something, like, all everybody wants to talk to you about is just this one thing that you did 40 years ago. It's like, mm -hmm. I've, I've done other things. I've ran magazines. I've published other books. I've made other comics. I've done this and this and this, and I've been involved with movies. And no, man, Turtles. What, yeah. what, tell me about the ragdolls. You know, it's just like yeah. that would that would get exhausting to anybody. Anybody, yeah. And I think if anybody, I think of all the creators that, you know, you hear about, like Kevin Eastman's really handled it the best. You know, oh, but, man. Yeah. I mean, talk about. I mean, just from my experience, our experience having him on the show, like he was so down to earth and laid back. Mm -hmm. And if he was faking it, my goodness, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's the greatest actor in the world. Oscar, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's great. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think he was very sincere, and um, that's one reason that I respect him even more because I'm sure that gets under some people's skin. And I'm again, everything that we're gonna say when we talk about this particular comic book. It's speculation. We yeah. have no confirmation on any of this stuff. So I just want to preface everything with that right now. Do not take what our interpretations are as the truth about Kevin Eastman's life because we we don't know. We're not his closest friend. We're, we're just fans of this book and fans of his, his previous work. So we're just guessing. Yeah, I'm sure he's not a coke-addled artist that shoots at <laughs> Lithuanians. I'm sure that's not what happens. Yeah, but then again, you know, this comic book industry, you never know you what's going to happen. It's, it's cutthroat, man. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah. So, Josh, would you mind, and I know this is kind of a heck of a task to ask you, but would you mind kind of summarizing what this book is about? Okay, yeah, no problem. So, uh, Drawing Blood is the story of Shane Bookman, who is a burnt-out comic book writer and artist, uh, or just artist, I will say, uh, just an artist, um, who... I also I, this also speaks like super Kevin Eastman to me when he's like you created and he interrupts him going co-created co -created. <laughs> yeah. 
because now legally Kevin Eastman has to say that co-created, yeah, <laughs> co-created. Uh, but uh, he's the co-creator of this mega popular media juggernaut called the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls, and it's very very similar to the Ninja Turtles, like you just said. He they inspired him, and it's all about how he's at rock bottom. Um, an artist friend who was his mentor. Uh, recently, very, very recently died. Um, and it turns out that there was a massive debt that this guy, um, this artist, I'm going to look him up real quick. He's in the back of the book. Uh, I'm very sorry. I should have done this earlier. What was your saying? Frank for he's a character named Frank Forrest, who I think is kind of an allegory for Jack Kirby. Oh, see, I was wondering about that. Like, he references Kevin Eastman references the art styles. Like, for those of you who go to a lot of cons, you probably recognize this guy. And yeah. unfortunately, I don't, and I'm not a comic expert, so I don't. He looks he looks very much like uh, Jack Kirby. Oh, okay, okay. To me, like especially during like the flashback during the very very beginning of the book, when young Bookman and his brother uh, sees that artist Frank, I think that that's Jack Kirby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But um, to me, but um, it turns out that Frank Forrest had owed like a lot of money to this Lithuanian gangster. And since him and Shane were in business together, basically when Frank died, Frank's debt went to Shane. So now Shane has to deal with this Lithuanian mobster trying to get money from him. they don't they never tell you how much it is. But I always for whatever reason, like two million dollars hit me in the head. And I was like, OK, there's a couple million that he owes this guy now. And this guy's like, you created the Ronin Ragdolls. You should have all this money. He's like, well, we sold it. Bookman, Shane Bookman and his brother Paul Bookman created the Ronin Ragdolls and sold it to, I think it was like a company called PlayFun or something like that. Uh, it's basically Kittyscope. 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 Yeah, it's basically they sold it to Playmates. And he's like, <laughs> I was 27 years old. And I got like millions of dollars. What do you think I did with all that money? Like Shane Bookman's broke. He's depressed. He's got a couple of bad failed marriages, which also leads to a great allegory for Kevin Eastman's ex-wife, Julie Strain, um, <laughs> which is, which I thought was hilarious. Yeah. The, the humor in this book is really good. Uh, oh, it, it's, it's dark, but oh my gosh, the humor is really funny. There's yeah. a couple times, but it's, it's Kevin Eastman's humor all over the place you're exactly right it's all through this like when he drops the matches in front of the or his cigarettes in front of the lithuanians which is supposed to be his attempt at escaping them yeah i know and he tries moving a garbage dumpster he's like in a, <laughs> he's like in the movies that works he's like those are made out of balsa in movies yeah he's like i'm embarrassed for you <laughs> yeah those you know what those lithuanians were like being very threatening and intimidating those were like the nicest funniest dudes yeah, I kind of. They were kind of hilarious. Yeah, but don't call them Russians. No, 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 no. Don't do that. And it's so, their turn. And so at the, uh, it's their turn. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. At the same time, uh, there's a movie, a big production of a movie of the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls being made by a director named Morgan Harbor, who was not an allegory for Michael Bay. Um, oh, did you see the the background like wallpaper? Yeah, as he's calling Shane, and it's an explosion. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, awesome, right? Um, yeah. 
And so, and there's a bunch of online chagrin because, oh, they're aliens and they're not this, this or that. And, you know, they've betrayed the fans. It leads to a great thing with Comic-Con that actually happened. And all the while, Shane is trying to do this other creative venture of this stage play he wrote called uh, Metropolis. Metropolis, yeah. And he's seeing auditions and he meets an actress named Courtney that he is immediately in love with. Um which I don't think is a coincidence that Kevin Eastman's wife is named Courtney. I'm with you. Yep. Yeah, even though they look dramatically different from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, yeah, it's bo- it's mostly, like, this dude. Um, and all the while, he's got hallucinate- violent hallucinations of the ragdolls. Yeah, Troy Little did the uh, – yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I love the contrast between the art styles here. Flashbacks are done by Kevin Eastman. Mm-hmm. The main story, the present time, is done <laughs> by tell? Ben Bishop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and then the, the um, present time is done by Ben Bishop who knocked this comic book out of the ballpark. Oh, My goodness. Yeah. can't believe we got to talk to the guy like as – I think right when it was funded or right before it was funded. And like how down to earth he was, and how talented talented he is, because this is such a beautiful book. Um, and then the hallucinations are done by a different artist, Troy Little, um, and all three of them just look so cool and kind of keep this book so fresh um, and and different. So I love the different art styles here. Yeah, and you know what? They all make sense. They all kind of look very. They all look similar enough. Mm-hmm. To show you where, like Kevin Eastman's, especially Kevin Eastman stuff, where it's the black and white, old school, grainy, sketchy style that he's got with bold outlines, is like, yeah, that's how Shane remembers things. And then this is how. And then when uh, Little draws the hallucinations, Shane is always usually under extreme stress or is drunk. It's like, yeah, that's what it would look like to Shane. <laughs> and then the reality of everything that Bishop drew, it just looks. It looks like that. I mean, it, I know we're not comparing it to Ninja Turtles, but it looks Ninja Turtles to me. This looks it like does. the this looks like the um, the IDW style. You know, I really appreciate it. I really like it, and I I want to see more of it. I'm with you. Very professional looking, and uh, the character designs, like like he um, mentioned earlier, they look awesome. Uh, I think they're at the back. You have this really cool kind of perspective of the character profiles yeah love the gtfo girl um that uh amanda mm-hmm. yeah amanda uh yeah that that uh, shane bookman means at the comic-con yeah um so you said speaking of the comic-con you said that uh that really happened did that happen i mean I, was... I remember i remember when you and i talked about the alien controversy and everything um, you know that that fans were in an uproar right when the 2014 movie came out, um, and then all of a sudden it wasn't anymore. So, did this happen? There's uh, there was always I should I should say that, that there was always that rumor of uh, basically Kevin Eastman was like, Nah, man, trust me, no, we're doing this. This is how it is. And then that wasn't how it was. And Michael Bay was like, or somebody, because uh, I don't think Michael Bay really cared, but like somebody on the production side on the business side of things was like we now we have to spend millions of dollars to <laughs> redo the whole beginning of the movie and and also the the guy that played uh Raphael Alan Richson I think his name was he said that there was three completely different cuts of the movie wow from, from, and then three completely completely 
different versions of that movie. And they just basically just like drew a name out of a hat for the one that was going to be put out in theaters. And so, yeah, a lot of stuff does add up. Nothing's confirmed. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, non-disclosure agreements are a thing. So legally, nobody can ever tell anybody what happens about anything. You know, so, yeah. But the evidence suggests that, yeah, this pretty much happened. Because you know that he was at a Comic-Con, Kevin Eastman was at a Comic-Con, where he had to preemptively defend this movie that wasn't even out yet. And you know there was some guy or girl that was like, why'd you betray us, man? And he's like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I love, you know, there's a couple things about that scene. But this is one of my standout scenes for me. It's like, I love the fact that he talks about his brother, Paul. Sounds yeah. a lot like Pete, right? Um, his I didn't brother. realize how little he was in the book. He's in one scene. Yeah, well, oh, I can't wait to talk about that scene too. But the the Comic-Con where he kind of stands up to the man in a lot of ways. He's like, no, they're not aliens. They're mutants. And he, he kind of thinks about it. You know, like that that one was, was for my brother. My brother shared that moment with me. You mm-hmm. know, the, the one moment he kind of got it right in this book. And I like before that too – where he talks to the creator. He's got a mask on, right? Because he's hiding from the, the outraged fans. You know, he said he even mentions that the fans... He's are hiding like a, from everybody, yeah. Yes, the fans are like a wind, a natural force wind that, that gives you confidence, but can also be a hurricane yeah. that can blow you away, too. So he puts on a mask, and he's walking around, and he sees this comic creator, the GTFO girl creator. Her name was Amanda, you said. Really, really cool metaphor for a lot of... Uh, or a symbol for a lot of creative uh, up-and-comers out there for comic books. And she's bad-mouthing Bookman and, you know, saying all these things. Oh, he's a sellout and all these things. And he's not even a bit a bit offended by it. He's like, you know what? I appreciate that honesty, and this he's stuff like, is yeah, really I good. Am. Yeah, I, I did do that. Yeah, yeah he's like, yeah, you're right. It was good money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can you can, – dude, I'd love to sell out. Let me oh, create gosh, some. Yeah. Give me that opportunity, others. will you? No problem. Yeah. Yeah. But I love like her reaction is just like he takes the mask off. He's like, "Hey, your stuff's really good," and she like says a bunch of words that I can't say because my kids are right here, sure. you know. And <laughs> she's like, and then she immediately says, "I shouldn't have said all that stuff. I'm really sorry. You're not a sellout." And just <laughs> he's like, "No, I I absolutely am." Don't I know? I don't know him on a personal level, but based on our, our interactions, I think this is exactly yeah how Kevin would have responded. You could see that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I totally. And we haven't talked about the mustache yet. The mustache is totally Kevin Eastman from the 80s. Yeah, he did have that. He did. He that did. Kind of There's really some thin pictures. Mustache. All, he, he, he was going to make that work. He yes. Was, you know. And every now and then he still tries to bring it back. Now it's migrated to his chin. Now he does the goatee every now and then. Yes. You yes. know. Yes. You know I, I really shouldn't talk that way about a guy I don't know. It feels kind of weird. But, you know, still. <laughs> you know. But, yeah, no, I, I really like – this is – man – I can only imagine. I'm gonna. I hope I don't sound pretentious, but this is a great window into the super successful uh, creator that I think a lot of us want to be like. It's like I I would. I would give. I I I would give a limb to be able to have like ten percent of the success that these guys, that like Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird and. All of these guys had, had genuinely worked hard for, and whether they prospered or squalored, whatever fame that they had, and they've you know redeemed themselves or whatever, 
whatever you want to say, like this is a great insight to like what it must be like to create that one big media hit. Mm-hmm. And now you've got to now you've got to live with that. Now you've got to live with everyone asking you about that and expecting more of it from you. And like he's got debt, right? He's got a, like no, millions yeah. of dollars of debt and his lawyer was like you created a media juggernaut. Why can't you just do it again and get money <laughs> and pay off the people you owe? He's like, I can't just do it again, you know? And everybody, everybody just like, and it is something that fans do, you know? It's just like, so when's the next Turtles movie going out? He's like, well, I don't know. He's like, well, yeah. why don't you know? He's like, well, that doesn't involve me, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, you really got to, you really got to, put that into perspective because like Shane Bookman is a dude with problems. You know, you can imagine that Kevin Eastman was, I mean, he is just the, I, that's how I try to talk to Kevin Eastman. I try to remember that. Hey, he's a dude. He's yeah. a dude. who's got a job, a very cool job that very few people have, but he is a dude who draws to put food on his table, you know, and just remember that. And that's what Bookman is. And he's a guy that, you know, He's not talking to his brother anymore. There's a great and I'm I'm go out Ooh, I'm gonna go out that? on a limb and say that's Peter Laird. You know? <laughs> I just loved it be. that he was talking to him on the phone and the phone turned into his brother's head and he's trying to strangle yeah, the phone. Yes, so who looks remarkably like Peter Laird. Yeah, and my it had my favorite the most relatable thing of it was was uh right after he's done yelling at it and he's walk yelling at him and he's walking out of the bar. Hold on, let me get to it. Oh god, he says like once you've like rage cried into a phone at a bar, it's like common it's common courtesy to leave yourself <laughs> out. Yeah, it's like I've been there, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's referenced a couple times, you know, something happened between Shane and his brother Paul or we let let's for devil's advocate say Kevin and Pete. Later on in this book, during one of the flashback scenes, Shane says, uh, my brother, he went with me long before we sold everything over. That makes me think, like, did they have some creative differences? Was it financial? What could it have been? Because there's obviously bad blood. They don't talk a lot. I think one of the most interesting lines in the whole book is right before he lets himself out of the bar, talking to Pete. Talking to Paul. Or Yeah, Paul, yes. He says, you didn't walk, you ran, you coward, right when I needed you the most. So it's like, ran from what? I, I, I'm so intrigued. Yeah, you know, I, as a fan, I'd love to know, but you know, it, that's that might be very personal. They might not want to share. Yeah, something and by like now that. it's probably irrelevant. They probably buried that hatchet. You know? Sure. I mean, that yeah, was. Yeah. You could imagine that being like thirty years ago. You know, because yeah, there the was mid nineties. If you watch any, if you watch like the Turtle Power documentary, or like you read. Mike Rosenbaum's uh, book, uh, Half Shell or whatever he called it. Oh, um, uh, yeah, Richard um, Rosenbaum. Rich, was it Richard Rosenbaum? Um, if you yeah. read his book, you know that like around the early '90s, when the merchandising was huge, they were spending most of their time on that. And Kevin had moved out of Maine and moved to California to deal with that, basically, and also to run Heavy Metal Magazine. So he was barely doing anything with the comic. And then, and the comic was really seemingly, because I don't know everything, but like Peter Laird kind of just wanted to do the comic. That was where 
he that was where he wanted to live. And then and I can't blame him when Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird I won't just say it was Kevin Eastman, but like when Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird saw everything with the merchandising and they saw how much I mean, let's be honest, they saw how much money they were gonna make with the merchandising, they dove headfirst into it. And then when Sure. And this is the difference between the two of them, I think. See, from from an outsider's perspective, when he, they saw all the differences and how much additions and subtractions and just how different Ninja Turtles was going to look, Kevin Eastman is the kind of guy that was like, okay, but if we have one hand on the wheel, we can still control stuff. Ah, and then point. Peter Laird was like, no, it's supposed to be like this. This is the integrity of the book. This is what it's supposed to be. This is my art we're talking about. I do not want to sacrifice any of it. It doesn't mean one's better than the other. Neither of them are wrong, but they're two very, very different ways of thinking. And Kevin Eastman, I mean, like when we interviewed him a couple of years ago and I talked to him about Next Mutation, I was kind of taken aback by how much he really appreciated Next Mutation. I mean, he, I mean, like for all the bashing online, he worked really hard on it and worked with the changes and Peter Laird didn't want to, you know, he wanted it to look like his book, you know, and, and not saying who's right or who's wrong. Cause I don't know. I'll never know. I don't think any of us will ever know. Sure. But yeah, I can't help, but wonder the parallels between Paul and Shane in this book. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It just in the, it's one page, you know, it's yeah. so much is said. And I think it's I think it it's probably mostly me filling in gaps because of things that I've read about and watched on films and stuff like and movies and that well, I think that's most people. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like if you if you back this Kickstarter, you kind of know a lot. I think you're more than the average fan of Kevin Eastman. I mean most people have heard like you said a lot of the rumors or have read about certain things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we it's almost natural we want to fill in the gaps and I think Kevin probably knew that too. I, I'm sure he wants to keep some of it mystique, you know, uh, about the book. But I think there's some that it's just flat out obvious, you know, that hey, here's here's a way Kevin Eastman can say something without actually having to say something. Yeah, and again, I don't want to sound harsh, but he could always say, "Dude, that was a comic book I wrote. Drawing blood is <laughs> the book that <laughs> yeah, I wrote. There's a way I, out. You know, it's not about me. I cameo yeah. in it, but it's not about me. You know, and the average, the average." Uh, person on the street i mean they don't know who kevin eastman is you know who ninja turtles are Mm -hmm. they're not going to know this they're going to think this is this cool story about this guy who created a cartoon i was just about to say even if you didn't know any of kevin eastman's backstory this story is so entertaining anyway with the humor and and the kind of dark comedy of it all it's still a good story anyway you know yeah (laughs) you don't have to know some of the ideas behind the characters and the plot so it's it's very much like a creator's comic book, I think. Absolutely. Like, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, anybody can pick this up and enjoy it. It is that good. It's funny. It's witty. It's got action. It's got a lot of really dramatic elements to it, like people losing family members uh, or dealing with the loss of a, of a loved one and a mentor and a guy who's at his absolute lowest rung on his ladder. And it just gets worse from there until he decides to make it better. It's it's really a positive story of I am tired of things being a certain way. I'm going to do what I can to make them not that. That's a really inspirational thing that people 
it's kind of like when people with depression. Yeah. Um, people with depression, they don't get rid of depression. Anybody tells you that they beat depression, they've never had it. Okay. Because, <laughs> yeah. Because you have it, you have it for life. But you have to find you, ways to deal. You have to find or... ways to live with it and make yeah. yourself better and improve your current situation. You have to walk through the fear barrier or whatever it is, and you have to make strides to do things better. That's what dealing with, you don't get over it, you deal with it, and you move on in spite of it. You know, and that's that's really what I get from, and I could be 180 off on it, but that's what I get from this book, especially mm-hmm. from, as this might sound like I, I think a little bit too much of myself, but I consider myself a creative person. I am a writer. I am somebody that likes to create. I, I have always loved creating. And when he's at the sushi bar talking to the ragdoll, <laughs> yes. and one of them's like, you weakling, you don't need sake. You need action. <laughs> and I was just thinking, I've had that conversation in my head when I'm trying to write. I'm just beating myself down. And then there's something that I created telling me, no, dude, put words on a page. I don't care mm-hmm. what it looks like. Put words on a page. And his buddy Beastly is telling him the same thing. It's like you haven't drawn Beastly, two years. yes. You, yeah, the big Scotsman. Yeah. Love Beastly, yeah. Beastly's awesome. Um, he's like, you know, you haven't drawn in two years and you drew a variant cover for a magazine that never got published. So draw something. It doesn't matter what it is. And that's like the best advice I could give any writer or artist. It's just like, no, just sit down and do it. Doesn't matter what it looks like, doesn't matter how it sounds. Just get it out of you. Yeah, I mean that's that's great great advice, and I feel like you, you kind of what you mentioned definitely inspires me because I, I feel like this this book is a very in a weird way inspiring. This is an inspiring book for me as a creator too because Josh and I are very very similar. We both love to write. Um, Josh is a lot more uh, consistent and prolific than I am, but I feel like I've gotten better over the years <laughs> of, of trying to write every single day, you know, or, or trying to, even if it's just journaling, you know, just trying to write every single day. Yeah. But th- books like this really give me hope. And it's just like <sighs> you know the story behind how Drawing Blood came to be. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to meet, we've gotten to talk to Kevin, we've gotten to talk to these people. Knowing that, seeing how it was put together, seeing it it get successfully funded on Kickstarter, seeing all the intricacies come together for this project and to see it in our hands like a year later after we backed it, just the process, let alone the story, inspires me as a writer. Like one day, who knows, maybe one day we could do the same thing. You know, yeah. if we just keep, but we, you know, that's, that's a long-term goal. Short term is just keep writing, keep writing. I don't know the, this book and Shane Bookman's character. He's just like, he's a guy that like, yeah, he screwed up a lot, but he gets it right sometimes too. Yeah. He even says that he doesn't learn his lessons. He, I mean, that's the most relatable thing about Shane book sure. in this book. Where yeah. He literally says, I make the same mistakes over and over again. I don't learn lessons. I just find new ways of making the same mistakes. Dude, I I, I should have a shirt that says that because, I, <laughs> I mean, that's me. 
you know, I, oh, I, I, make I think it's all of mistakes, us. you know, and I just, yeah, I mean, like, I, I won't get into it, but it's just, you know, it's, it's, it is an inspiring book. I mean, yeah, it is this crazy comics with like mobsters and gunfights and comic books and, uh, film directors and it's fun and it's and it's and especially i love this book and i love the uh the ragdolls comic book that it came with yes we need to review that one day one day yeah i really i will yeah i think we should and because i think that that could be its own ongoing series and like there's also a jack Kirby reference in there oh and um you know because there is a fourth member of that trio there uh and, you know, I hope we get, like, rag- I'm surprised, like, there hasn't been, like, Ragdoll action figures and uh, Ragdoll TV shows announced already. And, you know, because, I mean, you really think the audience that bought this book is, like, the core audience. Yeah. Is, like, everything that, not not that have, like, a big head about it, but, like, the people that really care about Kevin Eastman as a creator and and I hope that doesn't sound weird, Kevin. If you ever listen to this, I'm sorry. But <laughs> the people that like really care about that creator and things he has created and co-created, co-creative, yeah, <laughs> uh, co-created. Um, they're the ones that back this book. They're the ones that bought this book. They're the ones that wrote reviews or took their or joined the the Facebook group that took selfies with it of them reading it and uh, became Facebook friends with Ben Bishop and. Mm-hmm you know, really just wanted to support it just because it's more from this creator that in a weird way kind of gave us a small aspect of our childhood. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, buddy. Just for all the memories I have of Ninja Turtles, I could never thank Kevin Eastman. And I know that this probably will induce eyeball rolling all over the place. I could never thank Kevin Eastman enough for just giving me a world to play with yeah i I could never do i feel like i could never thank him enough and and he probably hears that every day but it doesn't make it any less true that should show you how many people he's influenced and inspired well you know i'm I'm so glad you bring that up because it's such a cool journey to think about honestly and i think you and i have similar stories here because we both grew up with a cartoon first. We were not comic book fans first. I didn't even know there was a comic book based on the Turtles except for the Archie series until yeah. I was an early teenager, you know, um, or late teenager. I, I didn't guess. I didn't read it until, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, until I was about it. I had one real early, but it was the Michelangelo Christmas special. Oh, yeah, wow. I, and that's not exactly the best example of what the Mirage <laughs> comics were really about because, you know, Little Orphan Aliens and everything. It was fun. It looked like the cartoon. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we, we kind of went in with that perspective. But I say that to say this. So we started with the cartoon. Then we went into the comic books and we go, holy cow, that opened up a whole new world for us. Yeah. And then we start podcasting about it and we're digging through this stuff. And the more we dig through, the more we meet people who created this stuff, the more we learn about them, the more we're inspired by hearing the stories behind the stories. And it's like, that's what this whole comic book is about. It's such a weird perspective to go from, okay, here was this childish th- or childhood thing I liked. It was a cartoon, right? Had all the toys, you know. I was a kid, great cartoon, you know. Yeah, and what, it's real to me. <laughs> it's 
(laughs) But then, you know, the blessing of doing this show is that my love has grown for this franchise, not just because of the content that it has, but because of the creators and how inspired I was. Dude, to meet Jim Lawson, to talk to Kevin Eastman, and, and so many others, Ben Bishop, so many other creators and realize that they're just regular people that just happen to strike gold, you know, and, and, yeah. and continue to try to be as creative as they can be. Um, that is so inspiring to me and just makes me love what we do even more. And, and who knows? You know, one last thing that you brought up that I thought was really powerful is we talked to some of these people on Facebook. Dude, social media – I mean, I think that's kind of the wave that maybe we should steer into that skid with with our writing, you know? Think about building those friendships and those networks and, and, and using social media to your advantage because we live in a day and age where it's hard to get things out there. It's hard to get noticed. So you almost need these tools to kind of get noticed nowadays, you know, to, yeah. to any for anyone to read your stuff. You know, I've been, I mean, I spent months trying to get a book published just like, trying to get a literary agent the ones that would respond to me were like hey good luck uh good luck with what you're doing i like it but not enough to hire you and like trying to find a job writing for a publication or trying to find a job writing for like an online site which i really don't want to do but i feel like i probably that's probably like the only thing i can do right now but like Sending emails to all the usual suspects of like journalism and or like filmed what they consider journalism, really just like right, getting paid to do clickbait articles, you know, which I don't really want to do, but that's mm-hmm. really all I can right now. It's hard. Like, I've dealt with just, mm-hmm. I'm sure any creative dude will tell you that has tried doing it for a living. It's just like, you're not going to do it for a living, you know. I mean, like, thank God I have the support system that I do because. Um, it's really hard getting the hardest thing is like getting actually getting a rejection because if I don't get one, which nine times out of 10, you're not even going to get a rejection. You won't get anything. When you get that email that was like, Hey, thanks, but no, thanks. That kind of sucks. That really does rather get nothing at all, you know? And it's just, it's tough. And then, you know, using social media as an outlet that's one I'm really hesitant to do because, like, I go back to the argument of these are just guys doing their job. They don't need me bothering them, you know. So yeah, and so, and I gotta, and I'm at the point now where I have to make a decision quick with what I'm gonna do, you know, because it's it's sure. either keep doing this for another six months, keep trying for another six months. It's been two years, you know, and I've got nothing monetary to show for it you know i got a lot of great creative endeavors that i put out there that i did that i did for myself and i felt great about it and i feel great about it i'm going to continue to support that but like i'm going to probably have to end up going back to uh henry rollins always has this great line about i am completely prepared to go back to serving fries and scooping ice cream for a living being like here yeah, would you like an extra large drink with that, sir? You know, and just going back to the service industry. And that's pretty much where I am. Well, well here's the thing. That doesn't mean the dream dies. You know, that, that just means no. you have to do what you got to do and keep working your butt off, have that vision, 
and and you know early to rise and advertise buddy you know that that's <laughs> that's what you got to do you know you got to that's what I'm trying to do as well you know one of these days one of these days I think it's going to happen you know we, we have to have that vision it's just maybe it's not our season yet yet yeah yet. and there's and and yet yeah and yet's a good word and but yeah and that's and I know we're like uh, a hundred miles away from this comic yeah, book, but yes. that's but that's really what this comic book makes me think of. It's me just too. like, it, like I said, it's a creator's book. You know, it, it really is. I mean, like this is what could happen if you're successful and if you're not smart about your success. And thinking that, like, even if like ten percent of this is Kevin Eastman's story, just seeing how he was able to get himself out of whatever rut he might have been in, and to come out shining on the other side. You know, like that was, that's awesome to me. You know, it shows that if you just keep that, that you can like make the good decisions and you can get yourself out of whatever rut you're in and that you can obtain the unobtainable, you know, you can reach that brass ring a second time if you need to. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, man. I I love that. You know what's going to happen is Kevin Eastman's going to be on the show and be like, no, you two got it all wrong. Like, you idiots. (laughs) I got to explain this whole thing because Josh doesn't understand comic books. (laughs) Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. And and fingers crossed, guys. Um, we're, We're in talks about ironing out a date for kevin to come on hopefully uh we can get him back on to talk about volume two coming up yeah. and, and if we can't that's okay we're still going to support volume two and um you know just really excited to see it if i could add another question to our question of the week what did you all think of drawing blood if you've if you've read it i know there was so much more we could have talked about but lord we're, we're getting up on two and a half hours of the show um you know I, i'd love to learn more about the the comic book um, company that Kevin had started, or I'm sorry, Shane had started in the book. I'd love to learn more about. Oh Lord, what else was it? Oh, 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 the voice actor friend. I wonder who that could have been, or or if it was a series of people. And I know the back of the book kind of loosely ties some of those, um, or fills in some of those gaps there. Yeah, he he named people without naming them. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder yes, if that was yes. Rob Paulson. Or like yeah, maybe a Robbie Wrist yeah. or you know something like that. It's like he he made sure to say like um, the phys- it doesn't physically look like anyone that I've known, but because that was all Ben's creation. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of. And Ben Bishop, man, shout to him, man. He he killed it here. David Avalone, Kevin Eastman, Troy Little, uh, who did the hallucinations. Uh, Taylor Esposito and Brittany Peer, who helped with the coloring, I believe, or maybe I'm sorry. Let me look. Let me double check. I get make sure I get that right. Looks like Brittany Peer and Tommy Varga did the coloring, and Taylor did the oh lettering. Yes, okay. And I won't read the the thank yous for Kevin and David and Ben. I w- I want you guys to go check those out. Some heartfelt thank yous there from from those three. And that's on the second to last page of the book. Man, any any last thoughts on on this book? Because it, it's there's so much we could say. Um, yeah, ahead, I'm support sorry. them on Kickstarter when they roll out their second volume uh, Kickstarter early mm-hmm. next month in August. Um, by the time this episode comes out, it might even be out. I think Ben Bishop said like August second or third. It's going to be early. I know that much. Support the uh, the Kickstarter. 
and keep your fingers crossed because if you didn't get this volume on Kickstarter, I don't know if you can get it anywhere else. So maybe they'll have a bundle where you can get the first volume and the second volume. I know I'm gonna I'm hopefully gonna be able to support it. I can't wait to see where they go. I, I really I'm really intrigued. Rereading this morning or this uh this afternoon really just got me just got me going. I really wanna it it it's a great Man, it's just a good book for people that just want to create stuff. Man, I really, I just can't get over it. That's, and I haven't really put it together until we were talking about it. But yeah, this is just a good book. It's a creator's book, and I really, really just adore it. Can't wait for more of it. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree, and I, I think I can't say anything more. So I can just have to say it is a creator's book, just like you said, man. Guys, go check this one out. Uh, we're not just gushing because we've talked to Kevin a couple times or Ben. We're gushing because it's a really good story. And uh, it's loosely Turtles related. We, we've learned a lot about Kevin's um, history here. It's just, a, it's just a great story. It's entertaining and it's very professionally done. And it's one of the best books, honestly. It's one of the best books I've ever read. So check out the new Kickstarter coming up in uh, August. And... Um, also, check out some of our friends in the podcasting scene. Uh, our buddy Zach from Booyaka Show. We're in talks about getting him on our show soon. In the last episode, he talked about a lot of the NECA figures that are coming out. I kind of want the Batman and, I'm sorry, the Michelangelo and Alfred figure he was talking about. Uh, I know I got to pre order those. Um, so yeah. he did a great toy review episode or toy preview episode. Um, so shout out to, to Zach from Booyaka Show. Shout to John from the Sewer Den on on uh, Twitter, and also he's he's got his own website. Really cool stuff. He writes for Nickelodeon too, I think. He and I have talked on Twitter a few times, and I think uh, I think he's another mega fan that uh, we'd love to get on the show one mm-hmm. day. So we got to get we got to make that happen. Turtle Tracks podcast, TMNT Dare Talk, Turtle Power podcast, TMNT Minute. They did the Robbie Wrist interview, and I think they just had John from the Sewer Den on their show. So. And, and, and Ryan from Turtle Power Podcast. So those guys are killing it over there. Go check their show out. And then uh, Turtle Soup, they have over 200-some episodes now. Big slice of pizza goes to them because they, uh, they're they one of the early ones, uh, earlier than us, and, and they are still as consistent as can be. So check out Turtle Soup. And another big slice goes out to Turtle Power Pod and TMNT Power Hour. Last but not least, like I said, we are on Instagram, so please give us a follow. Um, just search up Turtle Flakes, T-U-R-T-L-E underscore Flakes. Um, I don't know why I spell turtle. I guess because I mm-hmm. the song. There you go. And um, we're celebrating our anniversary of Turtle Flakes. So if you send us an email, a- email about it could be the question of the week or your favorite turtle or anything Ninja Turtles related you want. If you send us an email from now, as we're recording, it is July 22nd. All the way up to August 16th. If you send us an email, we're going to enter you into a random drawing, and we're going to send a little uh, Turtles package your way. I've got a ton seriously of, this time. Um, seriously this time. I, I've already got Jay Jorgensen's box sent out, so I'm just waiting for his address. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we'd love to send something your way, and we're going to try to do a little bit more of that. And with all that said, Jose, what type of pizza are we going to have to close out a very, very late episode of Turtle Flakes, Jose? Oh man, it's it's uh it's kind of late, so uh you know you gotta eat something light. So I'm gonna have to say, Matt, probably a green pepper and mushroom pizza. I'm green pepper, okay. If you want to send us an email, our email is Turtleflakes Podcast. We are on Twitter at Turtleflakes. Please join our, our Facebook group page at facebook.com/groups/turtleflakes. 
Or you can give us a call on our TurtleCom hotline. Just, just uh, dial in 865-309-4875. Check out our good buddy Mark Pellegrini from TMNT Entity. And, of course, our good friend BatBomb82, Mr. Anthony Hernandez. He's on YouTube. Does a family-friendly show dedicated to toys and Ninja Turtles. It is Totally Tubular Turtle Tuesday. Uh, we are proud partners of the Retro Gaming Times at ClassicClassic.net slash TRT. And Hoser Josh, would you like to talk about Turtle Tracks Blog? Yeah, so Turtle Tracks Blog is basically my website, uh, TurtleTracksBlog.com, where you'll hear me lament about uh, pop culture in general. Uh, I do a lot of movie reviews, do a lot of Hollywood news, do a lot of uh, comic book inspired stuff, video game reviews. Uh, and you can also find me on YouTube. I have a gaming channel called Turtle Tracks Games, where you can find me uh, playing good games, playing them pretty okay, I think. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not exactly terrible, but I do a lot of, I, I did a lot of recording today for like Friday the 13th. I haven't played Friday the 13th in a while, so I wanted to get back into that. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Dead by Daylight uh, video game videos, and I'm starting a new playthrough on a video game called Mark of the Ninja. So it's a stealth-based video game, and I'm terrible at stealth games, so it's a lot of fun to watch me play that. I almost, almost recorded commentary on it just so you hear me just like not like not like video games anymore while I'm trying to play this game. <laughs> but I didn't do it. I wanted to save your ears. So uh, yeah, you can find me at TurtleTrucksBlog.com or you can find me on YouTube at TurtleTracksGames. All right, guys. Well, there you have it. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thank you all for sticking with us for going on exactly six years now. It's it's a blessing to do this show, as as we've said earlier, and and it's a blessing to talk about some awesome comic books with a good buddy of mine. So, um, on behalf of Hoser Josh and myself, here's to hope you enjoy your friends, enjoy your family, enjoy a mega slice of green pepper, mushroom, and Snickers pizza. Cowabunga, dudes! Cowabunga, everyone! Yeah, well, you know what? I feel bad because, like, I remember when I got this, I read it and immediately wrote a review on it, and I it was such, everything. yeah, and it was such a good book, and I just feel bad. I've I've only, it's it's the stupidest thing. It's like I feel bad for only reading it once after they already got my money. So you know. <laughs> well, it's it's like, one of those things. It's it's when you when you read something good. You know, it's like, oh man, this is one of those ones I'm gonna definitely reread. It's just a matter of when you're gonna do it. You know? Yeah, right. So, and I mean, I read so much stuff anyway that like, oh yeah, reading for like pleasure is just like not a thing I do anymore. <laughs> you know? because, like, and it's and it kind of is a double-edged sword because like most of the stuff that I write about is stuff that I read, mm-hmm. and I I kind of became the kind of I I never really liked it when people like overanalyze stuff and really got into the intricacies of like panel layouts and how this was put together and this person what he's saying is and what he really means is and this is an allegory for because mm-hmm. that's just pretentious <laughs> sometimes a dude just wrote a book about four ninja turtles you know it's, it's not about how we need to restore power to puerto rico you know <laughs>
but like that's kind of the reader I've slowly started to become and I really hate that so like I think that's why I have a YouTube channel now so like I don't have to read I can just play video games you just play right? games yeah, exactly play video games. yeah <laughs> you don't have to have uh, deep thoughts on turtle flakes there you go nope not at all nope <laughs> dead by daylight there you go sweet well alright man well uh, since we have such a pretty action packed show I vote we just jump right into it what do you say yeah no problem alright I got my energy drink and everything up did you know that these, um, Chris Beth was searching this up, that energy drinks give you like a two or three hundred percent chance, more likely chance of getting a stroke? Yeah. It's, well, like, everything nowadays kills you. I, I mean, know, like, I eggs, know. Eggs are bad again. Eggs Coffee are bad. See, I didn't know that. Got KFC selling chicken sandwiches with Cheetos. Oh, did you see uh, those? Yeah. Burger King is making tacos and, um... Taco Bell is making quesadillas out of waffles. You know, anytime I think of this, I've never had White Castle, but I'll never try it because I'll never forget one poor Josh Witt. He uh, he got so sick off of it. He was sick the entire week. He came all the way down to Lexington Comic Con, met us there, and he got in White Castle on the way, and he was throwing up and, and all kinds of stuff well, all okay. weekend. How many White Castles did you eat? Because I don't everyone, know. <laughs> yeah, it's like because like White Castles are like this big. So you're like clearly I can eat forty of them. <laughs> I'm a man. I'm gonna. It's like no man. You know that's still like yeah. It's a two ounce patty. <laughs> you eat sixty of them. That's still four pounds of burger right there. You know? <laughs> a whole loaf of bread and probably a whole onion. Well, see, yeah. I, I tell you, I don't like. I don't like mini burgers. Like we have a, I don't know if it's just a southern chain or not, but we have a yeah. Crystal. Have you ever heard of them? No. Okay, it, it's a really small chain. Oh wait a minute, wait a minute. That's like the equivalent of Whataburger. Oh, see, I've never had Whataburger. Okay, Whataburger is southern. Oh. Is south, okay. Southwestern and Crystals is southeastern. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're, we're we don't have either of those up here. So. Well, I th- you know, I think Whataburger might be been up in New Jersey. Wow, we got on that quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I'll take us in, my man. <clears throat> I think we're recording. Oh yeah. Right. You better be, man. I just wrote a. I just wrote an article about hamburgers this morning, so we we should be talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Chris, she saw that uh, the KFC Cheeto burger. She's like, that looks disgusting. I'm it like, looks. I'm gonna get well, you one. Even I think it looks gross. It's I mean, too much like, cheese, it, man. KFC did that stupid thing with the double down where the, like the buns were fried chicken and then it had bacon in the middle of it. Oh, wow. That's gross. It's too much. It's too much. Too much. It's, and how are you going to hold it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be greasy. Two big grease pieces of chicken. Yeah. yeah. That you're going to burn yourself. <laughs> it's like Little Caesars. I like Little Caesars, but like the whole thing is like it's hot and it's ready. It's hot. You know, you just want something easy. Go ahead. Take a pizza. Yeah. Is they it never good? Claim their, yeah. <laughs> Is it good? No, it's hot and it's ready. <laughs> <laughs>